Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? And welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. What a crazy, crazy day so far. Thought we'd be talking with our pal Jeff Feinberg a little later on about his home course, Oakdale, hosting the RBC Canadian Open this week. Feinberg's going to join us a little later on, though, but the biggest story in the world of sports, frankly, and business, is the stunning merger of the PGA Tour with Live Golf and the Saudi Investment Fund. We will talk about that as well as all the other big stories uh, around uh, the Stanley Cup final. We actually have a trade to announce as well. We'll get to all that in a minute. Um, Going to be a great show, though. It is CFL opening week. We're not forgetting about the three-down game. Justin Dunk of Three Down Nation is going to jump on with us. And well, let's just say we'll have lots to get to with Mike McIntyre when he jumps on. Of course, Aaron Cockrell, who he did such a great piece on as uh, Winnipeg's top golfer, working on the DP Tour, is here back overseas in his native Canada, teeing it up. And don't be surprised if Cockrell makes a surprise appearance later on in the show. Just a little tease for later on. Um, but Mike will jump in. I mean, we are going to obviously focus in on some Jets off-season news. Bomber season here. But I know Mike will have some takes on um, just the uh, earth-shattering news from the world of golf today that uh, has uh, everyone and certainly Twitter and social media absolutely ablaze. Listen, uh, before we get to uh, bring Michael Remus in and get the show on the road, a huge thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Uh, of course, Modern Man, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, The Gold Eyes, Assiniboia Downs, Vita Health, Wallace and Wallace, Nick and Nikki DQ, F Apparel, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend. And of course, our partners at Coolbet Canada. Thanks again to Pat Gregor for jumping on the program yesterday. It was great to have Pat on. And a special thanks to Coolbet. If you would, uh, had missed the last few shows, you've got great news. Uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk is going to be live from Nashville at the NHL Draft for the entire week beginning on Monday, June 26th. We certainly imagine that it is going to be uh, a, a, a very uh, important an interesting few days for the Winnipeg Jets, considering all the possibilities around their offseason and their roster. Um, and we're really, really appreciative of CoolBet for uh, coming on and being our presenting sponsor for it. So uh, follow CoolBet Canada. I'll have our daily pick from the lock shop a little later on. But make a point of joining us daily, but particularly at the end of the month in Nashville for Winnipeg Sports Talk at the NHL Draft, brought to you by CoolBet. All right, let's get going. There is a lot to touch on before Justin Dunk comes on a little later on. Remo, what, what's up? How are you? Good. I was just putting together, uh, yeah, our notes for today. Not a lot of hockey stuff. We did actually have a trade um, right before the show. So those details uh, coming together. Oh, here they are on, on the TSN site. I don't know. Chris Johnson. I don't know which insider. Elliot's got it. Chris Johnson's. Got it. So the Jackets acquired Provorov from the Flyers for a three-team trade that includes the Kings. The Kings are going to retain them of Provorov's salary. And I think the Kings have also traded Cal Peterson to the Flyers to clear some of that cap space because they're trying to sign, re-sign Vladislav Gavrikov. So uh, that's coming in. But I'm feeling good. It's hot out still, which is great. 
We're counting down with Justin Dunk to CFL season. Kicks off Thursday. Um, so I'll end. Oh, yeah, Stanley Cup final uh, going on, too. So, and yes, this, you know, what a day to have Feinberg on. Live doing some Big J journal work at the RBC Canadian Open. Uh, and we'll have Mark Zacchino on tomorrow, too. So uh, there's, there's a lot of news, actually, today. Yeah, and I mean, like, unfortunately, the Canadian Open, again, is getting sort of hijacked for this. Four straight years, two years canceled because of the pandemic and the rules and players not going to get be able to get across the border, so it didn't happen. Last year, the Canadian Open, which was won by Rory McIlroy, minus 19, an incredible event, but it also happened coinciding with the first live event, which, of course, was big news in the world of golf. And then today as players were out on the practice range, finding out on their phones that the PGA Tour had merged with Liv. Like, Remo, I know you're not a big golf guy, but, I mean, you've certainly got your ear to the ground in yeah. the world of sports. I mean, what what was your reaction to this? Yeah, I, I mean, I, you're definitely paying attention to Liv when it started up, and, you know, you, I watched the uh, full swing, so, you're, you know, we've seen all the Liv versus PGA. Um, pretty shocking that after everything that you know they went through you know not allowing them on the uh, you know on the tour and you know debating if they should be able to play majors to just go and merge with them and take all their money the thing that you know that's the most fascinating is all those players who said no i'm not going to take this saudi money like tiger woods what he turned down a billion dollars 800 million reportedly yeah rory mcelroy very outspoken about not taking for them to pga tour just to go and merge with them, I don't know, it seems it's pretty, you know, disappointing from a moral standpoint, but it's hard, you know, when someone puts so much money in front of your face, hard for these guys to say no, no matter where the money comes from. So I'm, we haven't heard from a lot of the golfers. I see like Rory, Rory trending on Twitter. So a lot of people want to know what he's feeling. And, and then we'll get into this with Feinberg, but it's more also, you know, the goal, the top guys, are going to be fine. But maybe it's those fringe guys who didn't go and take the bag who are now like, well, what what did I st- you know, stand up for here? If the PGA Tour, uh, what's the head, Monaghan, if he just caved and went into this, so what? So they could avoid all these lawsuits? They didn't want to fight for what was right and they just took the money regardless? Well, the litigation for sure is part of it. I mean, there was litigation on both sides. And with that comes discovery. And I was listening to SVP on uh, McAfee earlier today, and he pointed out that I'm sure there was partly some um, hopes that they could keep some things out of the public eye. So maybe that pushed this forward. But at the end of the day, it's the unlimited cash that the Saudi Public Investment Fund have. Um, Now, and your point about how players are feeling, I mean, most of the players are pissed. I mean, they're pissed that what they've gone through was seemingly for nothing. Um, and they're also pissed at the way that they found out. Here's Mac Hughes, one of Canada's top golfers, getting ready for his national open. Probably there at Oakdale this morning, working through, you know, his uh, routine. And then the phone goes off. Here's what he had to say. Nothing like finding out through Twitter that we're merging with the tour that we'd said we'd never do that with. And then he tweets after that. Curious to hear what golf fans think of this news. Tell me what you think of all this. I agree the best players should be playing together, but we were so dead against it as a whole on our side and now to be doing this. Just doesn't feel right, but I don't know all the details. And 
He's just one of many. Uh, I saw Colin Morikawa tweeting, uh, ooh, interesting uh, morning on social media or something to that extent. Uh, and uh, Justin Thomas t- tweeted out a gif. He goes, I was actually having a good practice uh, session this morning and just showing a phone going off with literally a million texts. There still is not a lot of clarity as to what this means. Uh, the PGA Tour, and, and I, I would imagine there would be some pushback to this. Through this, there the live entity will still be there. The PGA Tour will still be there. There will be a way for some of the guys that went to live to reapply with a fine to come back to the PGA Tour. But it seems like there's going to be you know, a way for guys to basically play both. And listen, that'll be great for the best players in the world. You do wonder what this means for that second and third tier of players. Um, and whether most of the money will be funneled into the top players in the world. I mean, the DP World Tour survives out of this, and this is unique. And, of course, Aaron Cockrell, who's uh, from Winnipeg, has had such a great year on the DP Tour. You know, there was a path to get to the PGA Tour from DP, which is the European Tour. Um, how that works out, how that affects those players, who's on live. And, I mean, and then, of course, Remo, who's going to be on the range, range goats next year? Will be uh, will Victor Hovland get drafted by the high flyers? Um, how live looks going forward? Um, the bottom line is Jay Monahan basically secretly went through went behind, I mean, the, the who are the guys that are the owners of the tour, which is the players, <laughs> um, and did this. I, I can't remember anything like this in really in my lifetime. Um, and there's so many nuances to it. But the bottom line, Reem, is, and I tweeted this out, I have not been more stunned at a sports story coming seemingly out of the blue, maybe in my life, than this right now. We won't spend a lot of time on it. As I said, Feinberg is there uh, where there is a PGA Tour players meeting happening this afternoon at 4 p.m. Jay Monahan, I understand, is at the Canadian Open and he will speak. And this is just the start of one of the most incredible and explosive stories in a long time. But I think we knew that a lot of that sanctimonious things, uh, you know, standing up for principles and whatnot, was basically bullshit from the PGA Tour, at least the guys running it, until the money got big enough to make sense to merge with him. By the way, no sign of Greg Norman. He might be done as well. Yeah, and I asked you, more stunned than when Bob McKenzie tweeted out this trade is one for one, Adam Larson for Taylor Hall. You were more stunned than that because we were we were live when that went down and the P.K. Subban trade happened. That was one of the crazier summer days um, and here we are, June 6th, with some big news. And I do wonder, you know, we'll have to wait to hear more details. But, you know, I think it was definitely disappointing if you've been on Team PGA Tour this entire time. No doubt about it. All right. As I say, I could talk about this and probably will be talking about this for weeks and months. Um, but we'll have Mark Zucchino on the program tomorrow. We'll be fascinated to hear. He, of course, works with PGA Tour Radio, uh, very connected in golf on both sides of the border. Um, you know, in short term, like what this means for the Canadian Open. Um, and I'm not sure whether Rory's been seen on site yet. Is Rory going to be there today? Anyway, Z-Man's going to come on tomorrow. We've got a great, great hit with Feinberg a little later on with a very special cameo. So do not miss out on that. Uh, but Remo, let's get to I mean, you mentioned that trade. We'll kind of confirm mm-hmm. that details and the, the money going either way. But there is a championship series going on right now. 
And that series is 2-0, heading to South Florida after the Vegas Golden Knights waxed the Florida Panthers last night to the tune of 7-2. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'm not sure that game really was a 7-2 game. Uh, it seemed like Vegas, you know, made the most of a few opportunities, getting them upstairs and got an early lead on Bob. And I don't know whether Vegas, there was a magnet or something in Aiden Hill's glove, but <laughs> they seemed to be shooting nonstop. And, and I was in a bar and literally you could hear different groups around going, are they shooting at his glove on purpose? I mean, it, or there was a magnet in there. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Vegas didn't make the most of their scoring opportunities and credit to, or sorry, Florida didn't and credit to the Vegas defense for blocking a lot of shots as well. Um, but this one was almost out of hand and I thought it was going to get out of hand when Matthew Kachuk nearly ended Jack Eichel with one of the most devastating hits you will see in a playoff game. Um, and then things sort of disintegrated although the refs were in real prevent they were playing prevent defense last night handing out tens to anyone that looked each other the wrong way um we'll get to that later on but i mean first of all your thoughts on uh, the game just in uh, just a waxing by uh, by Vegas and man they are absolutely in control two wins away from their first ever Stanley Cup yeah it seems like the cinderella dust is wearing off on the Florida Panthers and you talk about the layoff for Bob, uh, what is it, the scoring seven? We got pulled yesterday, but uh, Vegas, you know, putting a, a putting on a clinic. And Vegas is so well structured defensively, so strong. A lot of this, though, uh, special teams huge. Panthers zero for five, or sorry, zero for seven in two games on the power play. While Vegas, they were two for seven in game one, and yesterday they were two for four on the power play. So uh, I think we're going to be planning a lot of Stanley Cup parties here in Manitoba. I think it's, this is over. Uh, I don't know who the next discussion, who's going to be the con Smythe. Is it Jonathan Marchessault, who's on this huge heater here, uh, having three points again yesterday. And I do want to give credit. Um, you know, you mentioned that Kachuk hit on Eichel. I mean, oh yeah, God. yeah, Vegas won 7-2, but all anyone is talking about is this Kachuk hit. Eichel going up the middle and... Uh, Kachuk, you know, seeing it in just a perfectly clean hit. Thankfully, Eichel saw him at the last second, was able to kind of get out of the way a little. And credit to Eichel, who went off and then came back and had a beautiful assist to Marchessault at the First start. First shift back in the third period. Yeah. That was shades of off the floor on the board, the Gary Thorne call on uh, when Paul Correa scored. Now, look, Eichel didn't have a concussion. It wasn't knocked out, but it was still a pretty big hit, and for them to come back and just keep giving her. Man, that uh, was like Mick Foley in like, uh, you know, a hell in the cell where he was like on, you know, like, he's dead. It's over. He's on the stretcher. They wheel him all the way back to the dressing room. And then all of a sudden he runs back out and is right back in it. I, I thought Eichel was done. I, I mean, we were just worried that, you know, he wasn't really seriously hurt. And of course, he had that groundbreaking neck procedure operation on his neck that was a issue with him in Buffalo and basically led to him leaving the Sabres. Um, but hey, he uh, toughed it out, came back, realized he got rocked and uh, what can you do about it? You go back, get back out there and uh, make something happen for your team. Um, it did disintegrate a little bit in the, uh, in the, in the second, uh, in the second ha half of the game. Um, but, you know, going back to the early part of the game, Vegas making 
Florida pay for their lack of discipline, I'm sure was something that Bruce Cassidy recognized was a, um, you know, was something they had to do if they wanted to win it. And I don't know about many of you Jet fans, but I was getting deja vu to the early Jets under Paul Maurice. When he came in, he really installed a bite in the Winnipeg Jets that frankly we didn't see as the team changed and matured a little bit, probably because they had to. But you will all recall the Jets are one of the most penalized teams in the league. Um, and Maurice, and there's a reason for it. He wanted them to be tough to play against. He wanted them to play on the edge, and they did that. But unfortunately, they just spent way too much time in the box. And then when you whine at our officials and are complaining all the time, which certain players on the Jets did quite a bit, then you don't get any of the benefits of the doubt. And Maurice spent a good period of time trying to almost reform the image of the Winnipeg Jets to a team that wasn't always on the wrong end of the penalties. But this Florida Panthers team, they play with bite. And, you know, you add in a guy like Matthew Kachuk and a Sam Bennett, Lombard. I mean, they are guys that are more than willing to take that extra shot to play right on that edge. And I couldn't help but think about the Knights at the end of the game. I was I was unsure as to how they would react to that hit on Eichel. Um, they just went out and took care of their business. And it seemed to really frustrate frustrate Florida, especially when you think about that hit Barbashev put on Gudis in the first period. And man, what a statement hit that was. Um, I mean, arguably, potentially some head contact and Maurice didn't really get into that after the game. But this is a team, Vegas playing very, very disciplined. Florida, not so much. And even worse, not being able to kill their penalties when they take them. And uh, that was, to me, the difference last night. Yeah, and you mentioned Ivan Barbashev. I want to give a shout-out to Ken Weebus, who I don't think anyone talked about Ivan Barbashev from, like, November to the trade deadline more than Ken. And you look at he's among uh, the Golden Knights scoring leaders. He put that hit on Radko Gudis. He's played, you know, anywhere in their lineup. Um, You know, they made one, one acquisition. Uh, Ivan in Ivan Barbashev and he's been fantastic for them and he's a free agent he's going to get a huge deal and you know Ken always mentioned what the Haiti put on Sam Girard in last year's playoffs uh, knocking him out and then he had the hit on Gudis yesterday uh, clean hit knocking him out or though I don't know if, if you ask Paul Maurice he may he may disagree it was borderline I yeah, mean bo- listen Gudis was sort of low and I think that's why maybe some of that head contact maybe happened but he got absolutely destroyed. And Gudis, you know, is one of those players. I was mentioning, you know, there's a bunch of guys on Florida that like to play on the edge. Well, he plays well over the edge quite a bit of time. And we all remember his executioner act with the guillotine chop on Matthew Perot. Poor Perot, well, you know, was out and he got suspended 10 games for that, if I recall correctly. So there's a lot going on. Bottom line is they have not done enough to beat Aiden Hill consistently. And then when you add in the fact that Hill seems to be like every year, there seems to be one goalie that just gets on some sort of magic carpet ride. And right now that guy is Aiden Hill. I mean, things are going through his legs. He's getting goal. His his teammates are saving (laughs) goals. It's bouncing off, you know, the post behind him and then back through his legs going forward. I mean, everything is coming up 
Vegas right now. Um, but this Aiden Hill story and what he's been able to do for the Vegas Golden Knights against Bob, who had been so brilliant, really, I, I thought he was pretty good in game one too, but especially coming in until he got the hook for Alex Lyon last night. Um, Aiden Hill has been, I and mean, he's right now getting into that conversation for the Conn Smythe Trophy, and who could have possibly imagined that? when uh, Loren Brassois started the playoffs. Kind of funny that LB started for Vegas and Lions started for Florida. And here we are in the cup final. Yeah, Aiden Hill, a UFA after this season. I imagine he's going to cash in, much like Darcy Kemper uh, did after winning the cup last year. It's funny how these teams with these goalies, not superstar goalies, could be back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. On the other side, you have Bob making uh, $10 million dollars a year. Here's Aiden Hill's stats in the playoffs, Sus, if you think he's Con Smythe worthy. Um, is it possible for him to be with he's got nine wins right now? Brossois has five. So you know Max at what sixteen, so he could get only get eleven of the sixteen, but he's got nine thirty-seven save percentage. And where's and two point oh six goals against. I mean, that nine thirty-seven is uh, otherworldly, you know, uh, number for save percentage, but when they seem to be shooting the puck, you know, into his glove, whatever, <laughs> making him look good. But he's making the saves, and we saw, and again, we saw it in game one with that diving stop. But he's been awesome, and you know, I do wonder if we're going to see more team. You know, which way are teams going to go? You know, we had this conversation. Well, do you need to have a star goalie to make the finals, or is it, you know, pay your defense, have good structure, and you can put any goalie back there? I think Colorado kind of did that last year, and this year they did a Colorado a number of injuries. Um, this season in the playoffs, they weren't didn't weren't as deep as last year's team. But you look at Vegas; they, they plugged any goalie in there and they win. So I think you know that theory might be more sustainable. Like there's only 30 starting jobs in the NHL. You don't think there's more than 30 capable NHL goalies in the world? Uh, yeah, you've got to find them. I mean, there's a there's a bunch of number ones that certainly sucked and didn't get the job done this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I mean, the, the legitimate number ones, though, it's a pretty small group. And that's why we're hearing so much interest in potentially acquiring Connor Hellebuck and why a large section and portion of Jet fans are loath to even consider that possibility um, because we've got one of those guys here and he really is the franchise player. Talk about this with more with Mike coming up. Uh, by the way, buried the lead a little bit. Did want to thank everyone. Got the notice today. We have surpassed 2 million views on YouTube uh, and I think we're over two and a half million downloads for uh, the podcast. So a sincere thanks from Michael and myself to everyone, the incredible sponsors that make this happen, the great guests that come on with us all the time, our regulars, and of course, most importantly, you, the listener. Um, if you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button and uh, make sure to find the podcast. Just search Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get your favorite audio podcasts and subscribe there as well. Uh, but onward and upward, thank you so much for the incredible support. Seen a bunch of mentions on that in chat, so just thought I'd get to that right away. Uh, just before we bring in one of those guests, uh, got to thank a few of our sponsors, including... Modern Man Barbershop. Need a cut, folks, or uh, maybe beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more? Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services and the best in men's hair care products. Eight locations now for Modern Man Barbershops, including the two newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Book your look today. Make an appointment at modernmanbarber.com or follow them on Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops. 
Uh, heat warning continues. Uh, if you haven't been in a pool, you're probably thinking about finding one. Uh, great time to talk to our friends at Aquatech and make 2023 year, the year you take the plunge. Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home renovations start with Aquatech. Thousands of renos is their foundation. Let them upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Uh, another hot weekend coming up. We've got the Bomber Home Opener. If you're heading out of town, make sure you get down to Manitoba Battery for all of your battery needs. Uh, boats, sea-dews, ATVs, lawn tractors. You got to keep those suckers powered. And of course, golf carts as well. Great deals right now as Manitoba Battery celebrates their 10th anniversary. Get to manitobabattery.com for all the latest deals. And the bottom line is you're going to be shopping local. You'll be saving big money as opposed to the big box stores. And Manitoba Battery will deliver those to you anywhere in the city of Winnipeg for free with every purchase over 60 bucks. Again, they're down at 1026 Logan Avenue and at manitobabattery.com. And just before we bring in Jay Dunk, of course, we've got the uh, we've got the home opener on the weekend, and I know there was plenty of Canadian Club and Ginger Ales being enjoyed last Friday night in that heater for the preseason game. Uh, well, there's a lot going on. Uh, they'll have some tastings at the uh, Princess Auto tailgate party this year. And CC and Ginger six-packs are on sale for $14.39 this month. Wherever folks buy their drinks, you can pick those up at Liquor Marts or at vendors around the city. And, of course, Canadian Club's the official sponsor of the Bombers, and they'll be pouring lots of that on Friday as the Bombers host the Ticats. Speaking of the kickoff of CFL season, let's bring in our guy, Justin Dunk from Three Down Nation. We're just about ready to get things going. Jay Dunk, how are you, my man? Doing well, buddy. Jacked up for the start of the CFL season, as I'm sure you are too. No doubt about it. Hey, just speaking, before we get to the regular season, noticed you and the guys at Three Down have been all over those numbers. Uh, pretty good preseason numbers for TSN last weekend. A lot of excitement for the Three Down game to come back. Indeed, and probably some fans out there wishing that TSN picked up some more preseason games. We'll see what happens in the future. But that Riders-Bombers game you were talking about that some people were enjoying beverages at at IG Field last week did over 360,000. That Hustler was more than a handful of regular season games last year and even beat average weeks near the end of the season. So strong number. Obviously, whenever you have those two teams getting together, it's a good clash and the fans show out. But I think definitely it shows that the other Bombers preseason games should have been televised and the other Rough Riders game for sure to get numbers like that. Because when you have numbers like that, preseason, regular season, playoffs, Grey Cup, or whatever it is, you can make money off those numbers. I mean, you follow this uh, very closely. How, how big of a bump does TSN get when the Bombers or the Riders on? And are those, is, is it those two teams that really show the huge audiences and then everyone else? Or how would you, how would you categorize you know, the, the real teams that are draw audiences in the CFL going into this year? Your audience might not want to hear it, but the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for years now, since I've been tracking this data, have been the absolute kings. You put oh, they a Riders call it Rider on, Nation, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think Bomber Nation is definitely rising, but you put a Riders game on, you know you're going to get 500,000, if not 
more, especially when the team is going really well and when there's excitement around the team. I think that was part of the reason for the strong number last week against the Bombers is because Trevor Harris was suiting up for green and white for the first time. Yes, it didn't count in the standings, but he was suiting up. So it's definitely the Rough Riders at the top. And the other team that's traditionally been really strong is the Bombers opponent coming up this week in week one, and that's the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And somewhat surprisingly, the Toronto Argonauts actually draw well on TV, even though a lot of the times they play at BMO Field, it looks like empty seats. So you put the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in there as well, and that prairie bump is real. And when I say prairies, I'm more so referring to Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. So those over the last number of years, especially since the Blue Bombers have been really good, would be one, two, would be Riders Bombers. But the Tiger Cats can get in there and the Argos are pretty strong themselves too. You know, uh, before we get into just your thoughts on the upcoming season and the teams to beat in the two divisions, um, and folks, if you're not regularly hitting up 3downnation.com, you definitely should be if you want the latest on the Canadian Football League. A couple interesting stories that you guys have up on the on the site, including the CFL partnering with Pro Football Focus to create player grades and analysis. Um, PFF has been a leader in the National Football League for a number of years for very innovative and groundbreaking stats. Uh, I'm wondering what you know about how this came to be and what this means for both fans as well as teams and GMs when uh, you know, you're looking for quantitative analysis of what's happening on the football field. It was something that was being talked about for a while, and I thought it would have been announced at least a couple months ago because people were talking about it at the combine coaches, personnel, people, people with the league. And they were really excited about it. That pro football focus was going to dial in their analytics for CFL football, because they really have a specific approach of how they go about grading players and breaking down games in the NFL and the NCAA. So the fact now that they're going to tailor that to the CFL game, I think is going to certainly bring more intrigue to fans in terms of getting a better picture of how a player actually affects the game overall beyond the stats that we see on your regular stat sheet. And then for the scouts and coaches, they can go even deeper or as deep probably as they want into these analytics in terms of how players affect the game. So I know it's sort of getting more and more prominent in various sports, the NHL, of course, Major League Baseball and even the NFL. But when you have this other data, it gives you a better picture of the player. That's what I've been told from CFL scouts who have been talking about this as a positive for the league. I think it's great as a headline that the league has somebody in terms of a company, the status of PFF that wants to partner with them on this. And I think it will create more avenues for discussion about football among fans and help players and coaches and personnel people understand their impacts on the game. Justin Dunk, Three Down Nation, with us. Uh, CFL Twitter was pretty juicy yesterday with uh, Jonathan Kongbo's uh, parting shot as he got traded. Uh, fill everyone in on that if they missed it. And uh, what did you think of uh, getting some good social media stuff before we even get going on week one? It's always great to have drama in anything, Hus, as you know. And I think that's what's happened here with Jonathan Kongbo and the BC Lions. And I believe, from what I've heard, 
Kongbo is on point here with what he has said. He went in there with a championship mentality, of course, won a couple great cups with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in 2019 and 2021, and then last year played with the Denver Broncos, so knows what it takes to play at a high level and get to the NFL. And he was challenging some players there that were maybe not showing up and putting in the work in the way that Kongbo felt they should. So I think that was the impetus for the trade. It didn't really seem like it was a fit, even though the Lions trumpeted the signing as bringing a local boy home. He was at least spending part of his childhood growing up in Surrey, B.C., but I think the reason you see him being traded is exactly what he posted on social media and even what Keon Hatcher responded with in terms of not getting along in the locker room. Now, I don't think Kongbo's a bad culture guy because he would have been out of Winnipeg much quicker if that was the case. I think it is just literally here of Kongbo maybe calling out some players, as was alluded to. He didn't want to name any names. And those players, quite frankly, not liking it. So the Lions move on. They want to keep their locker room in a certain way. And I think, honestly, the Tiger Cats get a potential steal here with the talent that Kongbo has. You know, um, (laughs) Kongbo obviously was traded. Um, This is also a time where there's plenty of guys that are getting back on the – available list uh here in winnipeg there wasn't a lot of drama through bomber training camp um but we were interested to see whether mark Leggio would stay on the roster as the punter he's been let go uh, do you think they'll be interested interest in him maybe in a couple of other spots the rider kicking game didn't look very good on friday i'll tell you that much um and anyone else maybe that surprised you being released in final cuts around the league There was no real surprises, and that's Mark Leggio included. I felt like he was going to have competition in training camp and that he didn't necessarily live up to it. And when the Bombers brought back Sergio Castillo, I think that probably spelled the end, along with this global initiative and all the Aussie punters, it seems like. Guys that are punting the heck out of the football means Leggio doesn't have a job. The one name that's out there right now that I think could sign somewhat soon is Sean Lemon. And I think there's a handful of possibilities there for Lemon, who is closing in on 100 career sacks, was the West Division most outstanding defensive player last year for Calgary on defensive line that led the league in sacks last year for the Stamps. He had signed with the BC Lions, but they released him after signing Jonathan Kongbo. And obviously that trade has been made. So you wonder if perhaps there's a reunion there with Lemon going back to BC and just as the way it was as training camp started, or I think there's legitimate potential for him to go to a team like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who could really have a scary pass rush on second and long situations and whenever they wanted, if they put Lemon on the field with Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat. And I think there is some other possibilities out there as well in terms of maybe the Ottawa Red Blacks bringing Lemon in to teach some of those younger defensive linemen they have. Obviously, Lorenzo Malden is really great, but Lemon's the one that I would keep an eye on and I could see getting signed either before the season or when there's some early season injuries. Uh, Why isn't he signed right now? I mean, he seems like such a difference maker. It's sort of, I mean, sometimes vets are like, yo, hit me up after training camp. I'll be good to go. Uh, (laughs) Is is, is that what it is? Or, um, 
Are teams or is he too expensive for some teams? I mean, listen, he'd look amazing in blue and gold right now. They lost Casey Sales. I think there is somewhat of a question as to, you know, how the interior of that defensive line will look. Wasn't great in the game against Edmonton in their first preseason game. Um, so you'll get some people excited with the Bombers' possibility adding to already a pretty ferocious front from Winnipeg. I think really the reason that Lemon hasn't signed yet is because a lot of these teams brought players into training camp. There's still a little bit of movement, right? We saw Keenan LaFrance, for example, from the University of Manitoba get released by the Riders and signed by the BC Lions. So teams are evaluating some of the players that were released that were maybe surprises to them and looking at some of the younger players and thinking, well, we already got these guys here. We know what Sean Lemon brings. So let's see these guys play for a week or two. And then you know how it goes, Huss. If teams start the season 0-2 or 1-2 or 0-3, then you get a little bit of that pressure built up and you want to bring in a guy like Sean Lemon, especially if you're not getting after the quarterback. So I don't think it has anything to do with Lemon's skill set or being super expensive. I think it's just that teams might want to see the young guys that they have in place. And that's why I wouldn't be surprised to see something happen rather quickly when either there's an injury or somebody not playing up to the level that was anticipated to start the regular season. Hey, uh, Justin, uh, one other question, just kind of big picture about the league. Um, everyone's talking about golf today because of the merger of PGA Tour and Live, but I was watching on the weekend, the Memorial, and there's Jim Nance pumping up the CFL opener on Thursday on the CBS Sports Network. Um, what do we know about this deal with CBS? And um, in your opinion, I mean, uh, is it a big win for the Canadian Football League? Um, uh, How is this going to work with their new partner south of the border? I would categorize it as a small win for the CFL because they bump up in terms of the money that they're going to get from CBS. I believe it's in around a million per year. And the deal they had with ESPN, I think, was in the neighborhood of a couple hundred thousand. So there's a boost there in terms of the actual monetary aspect for the league. And then I think the fact that CBS and CBS sports are going to advertise these games. And we saw it with Jim Nance. We did a post on the site about Nance promoing that very game. You talked about hustler and it was one of our most trafficked pieces over the weekend because of Jim Nance and the name that he carries. And obviously SEO plays a role in that as well, but when you have big voices like that talking about the CFL, it's going to draw extra attention. And that's one of the main things the league was looking for in a partner in terms of carrying television games in the United States was somebody that was actually going to promo the games. There were people up here that felt like games just popped on down there. And that was the truth. And based on people you talk to south of the border who tried to watch games on ESPN2 or ESPN Plus or wherever those games happen to be, it's kind of what happened. So CBS is actually going to promo it. And they've already showed you that they're going to live up to their word doing it during the final round of the Memorial, which is one of the bigger golf tournaments on the golf schedule outside of the majors. So I think that's going to be a boon to the CFL. And ideally, the league would like to parlay that into a bigger deal down the road which I think could be possible depending how the games rate on CBS sports. And there's also the possibility Hus, for the league to still sell some of their remaining inventory. There is about, I think 30 games, maybe a little more than that, that are going to be on CBS sports. So there's more to take from this season and beyond. It's not like they're locked into a deal. So that flexibility could benefit the league from a financial perspective in the future. Good stuff. It, it, it'll just be them picking up TSN broadcasts, I assume. I mean, Nance won't be coming to Calgary or Winnipeg to be calling the games. 
Maybe one day, but not yet. <laughs> um, hey, let's look ahead to the season. The games start on Thursday. We've got the home opener here on Friday. Bombers, Ticats, cannot wait for that. When you look at the West Division and the league for that matter, but specifically the West, is it still everybody chasing the Bombers? And if so, who um, who would you, on your preseason power poll, looking at the West Division, who's the biggest challenge to the uh, three-time defending West Division champs? Until you beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, they are going to be the team to beat in the West Division. I think they've proven that through 2019, 2021, and 2022, and probably should have three straight great cups. And I think that fact that they lost such a tight game and they were heavily favored going into it, and a lot of people felt like it was going to be this great run. And if they won three in a row, I would have started calling them a dynasty hustler. I'm sure you would have too. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had said this was... Like, you know, two in a row is the start of something special. You win three in a row, it's dynastic. You win three in four years and get to it and lose close game. I think we'll still say that. But it does feel like it's an unfinished business tour for a team that's bringing back the majority of a championship core that has been the measuring stick in this league for the last three seasons. It really has been, and I would agree. If they win three Grey Cups in four seasons, then I would call this Winnipeg Blue Bombers team a dynasty. Have Zach Hilaris back at quarterback, two straight MLPs on his resume. He is, right now, until proven otherwise, the best player in the CFL. Kenny Lawler, whenever they're going to get him back in the lineup after he deals with these lingering legal and passport issues, I think is going to be a great ad for this team. Put him out there with... Dalton Schoen and the rest of the guys in this receiving core that I think have a lot of upside and experience. More importantly, this offense could be pretty scary from a passing standpoint. Brady Oliveira had a thousand yards on the ground last year. I think the offensive line is super solid. And then we know the guys on defense, Willie Jefferson, Jackson, Jeffcoat, Adam, Big Hill, Deactric Nichols in the secondary. These are guys that play at an elite level. So I think it's Winnipeg and everybody else in the CFL. And honestly, I don't want to get too carried away here from one preseason drive, but there is a feeling of a entirely different Saskatchewan Rough Riders team than a year ago. And Craig Dickinson said as much that they're getting along better. I think this team is more cohesive based on what we've heard in training camp. We'll see once they have to start dealing with wins and potentially some losses, but I think the Rough Riders are going to be a contender for the Blue Bombers, but the team that I don't think people are talking about enough are the Calgary Stampeders. Jake Mayer is an up-and-coming pivot. I know Winnipeg fans have seen him come into IG Field and almost beat the Bombers as a very young and inexperienced quarterback. And Calgary scored the most points in the league last year, Hustler, and nobody's talking about it. Like, we're talking about a team that, yes, had a transition from Bo Levi Mitchell to Mayer, and that's why Mayer is now the face of the franchise. But he is a guy that I think has a lot of upside. And we've seen Calgary make these moves under John Huffnagel and Dave Dickinson in the past that when they have a guy that they're backing, it usually pays off. So you got Mayer there at quarterback. You have Kadeem Carey, arguably the best running back in the league at running back. And you got a couple guys behind him that can start elsewhere in this league at running back. You have Malik Henry, who can get vertical in a hurry. You got Reggie Begleton out here talking about he wants four receivers in the Stamps receiving core to get 1,000 yards. And Begleton is usually pretty quiet and not outwardly confident. So I think that speaks to his confidence and his passer and the rest of the receiving core. That defense, I think, is underrated under Brett Monson as a defensive coordinator. And they get arguably the best corner man 
cover man, I should say, back in Trey Roberson, who is healthy for this team. So I don't think enough people are talking about the Calgary Stampeders, maybe because it's the ABC effect out there, anybody but Calgary, and there's so much hate from the Stampeders, usually being that team that sets the standard, but it's still Winnipeg and then the rest in the West. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you on Calgary. I mean, you know, right off that management group at your own risk because they seem to make the right decision more often than not. And, um, well, we'll be talking about a guy that uh, is no longer a Stampeder in just a second. We'll see him on Friday. But I did quickly want to ask you about the Elks and the Lions. Um, tons of free agent additions with Chris Jones's club. Um, but do they have the quarterback to win? Do you expect them to be much better? And um, how big, if any, of a step back do the Lions take without Nathan Rourke this year now as a Jacksonville Jaguar? I'll go to the Elks first. And the major question mark there for me is Taylor Cornelius. It seems like Trey Ford and Kyle Axley were in a heated battle there for the backup quarterback job. And, you know, if Cornelius goes on a dry stretch and doesn't play very well, we've seen Chris Jones have quick hooks with his quarterback. So I think he needs to come out playing well against a Rough Riders defense that I think is underrated. They're going to see in week one, yes, they spent a lot of money on receivers, Geno Lewis and Steven Dunbar in there, and Dylan Mitchell's out here talking about going for 2,000 yards. But he ain't Alan Pitts, and Alan Pitts ain't walking through that door anytime soon. So I have a hard time seeing Dylan Mitchell get to 2,000 yards as talented as he ha- is. And they have Kevin Brown. I think the offensive line is solid. They got Jake Serez on the defensive line. But the defense just isn't quite there for me yet to compete at the top of the West division. I think the Elks arrow could be trending up and they have found some young talent that they like, but I think it's yet to emerge. And as for the BC Lions, Vernon Adams Jr. played really well last year when he was acquired via trade and Nathan Rourke was out with that foot injury. And as you mentioned, now he's gone to the Jaguars. So I think under Jordan Maximic, who's a really smart offensive coordinator, a guy that I think should be starting to be talked about as a head coach in this league, if he hasn't already in those circles, will tailor the offense to Adams Jr. And I think he can play really good football, but we don't know if he can do it for an entire season. It's one thing to come in as sort of that backup dude behind Rourke because everybody was talking about Rourke coming back for the playoffs and he played really well, essentially on one foot and almost got to the Grey Cup in that tight West final loss. But I see the Lions taking a step back for a couple of reasons. And the main one would be Nathan Rourke and also the retirement of Brian Burnham. That guy really held that team together. And I don't think we'd see people going at each other on social media after a trade if a guy like Brian Burnham was still on that team. Great stuff. Uh, listen, uh, we got to run, but uh, is Hamilton the team to beat in the East? Uh, I'm high on Bobby Dice. I think the Ottawa Red Blacks are going to surprise people as long as Masoli plays. But uh, what do you make of Bo Levi and the Hammer and uh, the team we're going to be seeing to kick the season off here on Friday night? There's a lot of hype, and rightfully so, around the Ticats. But Bo Levi Mitchell's got to show he can still do it for an entire season. He's got a big chip on his shoulder after being let go by Calgary. And, you know, technically he was traded, but they did move on from him during the middle of last season. So I don't think the Ticats should be the favorite in the East division going into the regular season. I actually think it should be the Toronto Argonauts. Yes. I know Chad Kelly's a quarterback, but that's a loaded group that has a lot of depth. And if Chad Kelly plays even decent football, I think the Argos could win the East. The Tiger Cats could certainly do it. And if Jeremiah Masoli is healthy, then I think the Red Blacks have a shot. I really like their offensive line and defensive line, which maybe isn't sexy to talk about, but those groups could be really stout and help the Red Blacks rebound. Dunk, this has been awesome having you on the program. Cannot wait for the weekend to get these games going. 
fill people in on what you and our pal John Hodge have cooking at Three Down Nation heading into the season and what people can enjoy all year long. You bet, man, and appreciate being on your platform as well and talking some CFL ball. We're actually going to delve into something that you're familiar with, Hustler, a bunch of betting. I'm looking at the passing leaders and some of the value bets there. So check out that. It'll be up Wednesday morning on the site. And then we're going to be just checking out all these games and getting you primed up for the CFL season. And you know how it is, Hustler. We'll always have the latest news at the site. So check us out multiple times a day. Uh, you guys do such a great job, and uh, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, enjoy week one of the Canadian Football League schedule. Dunk, we'll uh, talk to you soon. Sounds good, buddy. You too. Beauty. There is Justin Dunk. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at jdunk12. All right, Mike McIntyre coming on in just a second. Well, you know barbecue season is here, folks, and if you're looking for the best selection of local products, grass-fed bison and beef steaks, and great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. You need to get on down to one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores. And hey, Father's Day is around the corner. Men's health is, of course, top of mind. Garden of Life has created some unique formulas like Prostate Protect and Once Daily Men's. Both contain 50 billion beneficial bacteria to support men's gastrointestinal health. Get on down to Vita Health Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg locations, empowering people to lead healthy lives. And you can shop online with local delivery options over at myvita.ca. Uh, folks, if you got fencing or overhead door needs, only one place to go, and that is the specialist Wallace and Wallace who've been doing it in Winnipeg since 1946. If you need the security and protection of a new fence or winter did a number on your old one, Give them a buzz. They got vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood options for you. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they're the Clopay dealer in Manitoba with Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 452-2700 is the number to set up a visit for a free estimate. You can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Fellas, how's the closet looking uh, heading into summer? Uh, if you need to up your wed menswear game with wedding season just around the corner, now's the time to do it at F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Uh, if you do need suits for the boys for a wedding party, 15% off when the uh, party gets your suits from F Apparel and a free custom shirt and tie for 2023 high school grads with the purchase of a new suit. They're down at 190 Smith Street downtown. Make an appointment at F, that's EPHapparel.com. And just before we bring in Mike, uh, the heat warning continues. Um, and I'm here for it. And I'm also here for a trip to Nick and Nicky DQ tonight for one of those summer blizzard flavors. Pop down and see him. DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Niverville. And, of course, you can hit them up at DQ Manitoba if you need a DQ ice cream or blizzard cake for an upcoming event. They'll get it ready for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. All right, let's get to Mike McIntyre because we have a lot to get to today. Mike, listen, I want to talk hockey. I want to talk Jets uh, offseason. Uh, but, I mean, you've covered Aaron Cockrell and done some great work. with. He is... Uh, is at the uh, RBC Canadian Open getting ready to uh, play in this big PGA Tour event. Uh, what was your reaction when you heard the news this morning that the PGA Tour and Live were merging? I I had to check that it wasn't April Fools. 
that it wasn't some kind of um, uh, satire article, uh, you know, the like the like the Onion or or the Beaverton or whatever. Uh, I, I was stunned. Uh, I mean, because the PGA has been so vocal in its distaste of everything live. You've had people like Rory McIlroy who have basically been paraded out as the face of the PGA to take on the live, uh, you know, tour and now must feel like they've sold their souls and, and kind of put a, a, a shiv in the back of players like Rory McIlroy. And to hear that the players were completely, you know, submarine by this, that they learned about it just like we all did via social media. I mean, that just adds another layer of absurdity to it. And I can only imagine Huss, I think it's 4 p.m. Eastern time today uh, at the RBC that uh, Jay Monahan is is holding a players meeting. Uh, and uh, imagine if that could be live streamed, you could probably make some live type money by streaming that on pay-per-view because I imagine that is going to be one heated meeting between the players and the commissioner. A lot of players no doubt feel like, you know, they've, they've sold out. And uh, I, I, w- I was stunned. Isn't it funny, Huss? One year ago today, I was actually in Toronto for the RBC. That's when Aaron Cocker was about to make his PJ Tour debut. And if you recall, that was the very first live event was about yeah. to get underway. So the live tour was the talk of the RBC a year ago. Fast forward for today. And it's deja vu all over again, albeit in a much different way. Uh, just a, a, you know, a seismic um, merger in the golf world. And I'm, I'm really anxious to see how this plays out in the coming days and weeks. Uh, and, and you know what? I mean, there's not a ton of details. And again, the players were completely blindsided by this. Yeah. I mean, I was mentioning what Mackenzie Hughes had um, tweeted earlier today. Um, Adam Hadwin spoke, and our pal Jeff Feinberg is going to join us a little bit. He's hanging out at uh, it's at his home course, so right. he's all over the place. He said, Hadwin, I found out the, about the merger this morning from an email and then another email from Jay. I don't know how to feel, it says, what's transpired with the rhetoric on both sides? How did we get here now? So many details he doesn't know. And, and I guess for a player like Adam Hadwin, who has been, you know, a regular on the PGA Tour for a number of years, but not quite in that super elite level. Um, you know, I do wonder about that second and third tier of golfers. Yeah. And then guys like Aaron Cockrell, who've been playing their way, presumably to the PGA Tour, trying to earn that opportunity through the DP. In some ways, this might save the European Tour, um, but I do wonder what this means for the guys that aren't Rory McIlroy or John Rahm or Colin Morikawa. They're going to be fine and stinking rich regardless of how everything shakes out. Yeah, and you know, let's be clear. I'm sure a lot of regular folks aren't going to be feeling sorry for multi-millionaire PJ golfers. But how do guys who you know turn down the live and the guaranteed money that we know some of their colleagues went and took? And now they're faced with a scenario where they they held their ground, they stood firm, and they're potentially going to see now these colleagues welcome back with open arms, with much you know deeper bank accounts than when they left. Uh, it you know it just raises so many mm-hmm. questions and and just so many potential 
scenario. What's Brandel Chambly going to say about this? Like, there's a guy oh, who. That's the first thing I did. I mean, I think I need to turn on notifications on for Chambly as to when he wades in on this because he, uh, Eamon Lynch from Golf Week, I mean, there had been no more passionate and outspoken critics of Liv. And in a lot of ways, they were seen as, you know, in the bag of the PGA Tour, much like Rory McIlroy and all these guys right. that have been defending everything on principle. I guess the principles don't mean that much when the bag got that much bigger. For sure. Uh, did you see Brooks Kepka's tweet, Huss? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welfare check on Chambly, he said. Uh, you know, I'm I'm really... I'm really eager to hear Rory McIlroy speak. Like Rory, of course, is kind of the face of the PGA Tour, right? And and he's, I think, he's waved the flag. He's he's defended the turf. And I got to think Rory must feel like the Tour kind of stabbed him in the back and sold him out. And so, you know, Rory's a guy who wears his emotions on his sleeve. Um, I imagine that he's going to have plenty to say about this and I'm really anxious to hear what it is but yeah huge huge shift in the golf world um and who knows maybe we look back on this a few years down the road and say ultimately it was for the best I, I think we could all agree Huss, regardless of what you thought about live fracture is never good I mean we we saw what it did if if, if you know people that were fans of boxing right in in its heyday we saw what what fractured boxing, you know, organizations, foundations, what that did to the sport. And so I, I think we all want in all sports, you want the best of the best to kind of be playing under one roof and that wasn't happening. So maybe there's a silver lining to this. It's just hard to see that today. Yeah. Uh, listen, there's going to be a lot of uh, money coming in. It just, for the, for the, it was all about principle. It was all right. about not selling out. And then, I mean, I thought Scott um, Van Pelt actually said it very well. Where, where, where is this? I just had this a little earlier. SVP, who of course broadcasts PGA events for ESPN, said, "So you preach loyalty to a tour and convince guys not to take eight and nine figure deals based in part on that loyalty and in part on the source of the money." Then those guys find out on Twitter, you took the very same money. Right. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty tough. Just quickly, um, because again, this is all going to get overshadowed by what everyone's talking about. And right. really too bad for the Canadian Open, although there'll certainly be a lot of eyes on everyone there. Um, fill people in on uh, what our boy Aaron Cockrell's been up to lately and uh, this great opportunity for him on the PGA Tour again after having his best results ever and coming so close to getting in that winner's circle on a pretty darn good tour overseas. Yeah, he's uh, he, he's certainly coming into this week's RBC Canadian Open with a lot more confidence than he would have a year ago. There was excitement a year ago, of course, great opportunity, and Aaron ended up making the cut, cashed a check, uh, got to play on the weekend. At one point on the weekend, I think he was the low Canadian in the RBC, but you know, you're right, Huss. He's he's having a terrific year on the DP tour. He's actually spent the last uh, few weeks back in Winnipeg uh, with his his family, their newborn, and and his wife, and they're all now in Toronto, of course. Um, but yeah, he's uh, last I looked, he was 23rd on the DP order of of merit. So you know, he's knocking on the door. He's at a career best in terms of world golf ranking, and it would be great to see him kind of carry that into 
you know, one great week on a PGA event can be life-changing. Aaron's actually going to get two other cracks. Uh, he's got two more sponsors exempts uh, in PGA events coming up this summer. I think one in Kentucky and one in California later uh, coming up. So uh, he's got some opportunity here to, to maybe, you know, really make some hay a little closer to home uh, than what he's been doing overseas. But uh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, I, I, I've said it many times, Aaron Cockrell is just a terrific human being. You like to see good things happen to good people. He's at the top of the list. And I know I'll be uh, rooting for him uh, uh, here uh, this week as he tees it up with uh, some of the best in the game. Hey, who knows? A couple more good results and he could end up on the Majestics or the Range Goats next year. <laughs> you, never, you never know. Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, who knows what the future holds for team golf and if they incorporate that uh, into the PGA eventually. Hey, Mike, before we get to uh, just the kind of Jets offseason, some NHL stories, uh, what have you yeah. thought about the finals so far? And, uh, man, Vegas just looked so composed last night. Uh, I, I really thought after they hit from Kachuk, where he absolutely destroyed Jack Eichel, albeit very clean, yeah. that maybe that was going to completely disintegrate into mayhem. Um, and the Vegas Golden Knights, I think more so probably because Jack Eichel was able to come out, right, whatever, pick yourself up. Um, and it's easier to maybe do it with a 4 nothing lead the way they had it. And then, of course, Florida scored early on. But um, they've, they're have they showing incredible composure. And I was saying earlier on, the lack of discipline of this Florida Panthers team reminds me of the Winnipeg Jets early on in the Maurice years where he was yeah. trying to instill that in the team and then really didn't need to dial it back and try and make a truce with NHL officials. Well, and that's where, you know, I, I think Paul Maurice probably deserves some criticism. Uh, you see him behind the bench, um, you know, these first two games. At times, Paul Maurice looks unhinged and his players are playing accordingly. Um, you know, he, he's got to rein them in and we haven't seen that so far. And the Golden Knights are certainly making the Panthers pay on the power play and uh, just keeping their composure. And it's fascinating. Somebody tweeted out a stat last night, Huss, of what Vegas has done to the goaltenders that they faced in every series. All of them are sub 900 save percentage. Like the Golden Knights, doesn't matter who's in that, whether it was Connor Hellebuck, Stuart Skinner, Jake Ottinger, and now Sergei Bobrovsky, who coming into this series, everyone was talking about for the, the con smite. There was even talk, even if Florida loses, maybe Bobrovsky wins the con smite. Uh, well, he's been kind of rendered mere mortal now. Um, and for some reason, Vegas, they have that effect on teams. Certainly in this playoff run, they're bringing these good goaltenders down to earth rather quickly. And, you know, Bruce Cassie said it after the game last night that he thinks Vegas 1-20 to is the deepest team in the NHL. And how can you argue with that? When you look at, I mean, Huss, they got guys like Phil Kessel, the NHL's Ironman, who can't even get into the lineup right now. Teddy Bluger, who is a pretty good trade addition that I'd say would be right at home on most third or fourth lines in the NHL, he's a healthy scratch. Part of that is the, the Golden Knights. Sure, they've been healthy. You know, they've avoided any significant injuries in these playoffs. Uh, they got a great back end, and they got a system that they play that doesn't seem to matter what goaltender is in there, whether it's LB, whether it's, Aiden Hill, uh, that, that they're pretty solid in front of. So, 
the old saying, you're not in trouble till you lose a game on home ice, I guess is important to remember because the Panthers haven't lost yet on home ice here. Uh, but obviously Thursday night will tell the tale whether this is going to be a series. It's a must win for the Panthers. Uh, they drop game three. This series is done. But if they win, suddenly they got some momentum and, and maybe turn it into a series. Mike, I was joking with the fellas that um, last night that the uh, the keeper of the cup. Yes. I, I hope they enjoy Manitoba because there's a good chance that the Stanley Cup could be spending a lot of time in the province this year. And uh, we know it'll come to Winnipeg and Oak Bank, you know, with Colasar and Howden and, of course, Mark Stone. But also, in all likelihood, be making a trip out to Sioux Valley First Nation if the Golden Knights get this done. I know you got a great piece in the Winnipeg Free Press on Zach Whitecloud. I mean, what a great story yeah. this young man is. I talked to his dad yesterday. His dad, who's a counselor at Sioux Valley Dakota Nation, he's in Vegas, now heading to Florida for games three and four. But uh, he was at T-Mobile, and, and I asked him, you know, Zach Whitecloud, his boy, scores the game-winning goal in the, in the third period the other night. I said, did you have a good view of it? And he said, well, I did. But then everybody jumped up and was screaming. And he said that he wasn't actually sure if if Zach's shot went in or maybe it got deflected. But he said Nick Haig's dad was sitting beside him and started screaming at him, Zach scored, Zach scored, uh, as he looked up at the Jumbotron on the replay. So, yeah, terrific moment. And, you know, Zach Whitecloud, like, what a story, right? Undrafted was playing in the MJHL, like with, with you know, Verdon, goes the college route. Um, as his dad told me the other day, always been a late bloomer. And obviously Kelly McCrimmon would have seen plenty of Zach Whitecloud being a, a Western Manitoba guy himself. Uh, and, you know, he signs him to that free agent deal when the Vegas Golden Knights come into the league. And look at him now, right? He's two wins away from from a Stanley Cup at the age of 26. And back in Sioux Valley, it's been a great talk to the chief of the First Nation yesterday. Huss. They're holding watch parties at the community hall um, and, you know, just a raucous atmosphere. And Zach Whitecloud, he's a role model, uh, you know, in the community, obviously to a lot of Indigenous youth to kind of see what he's done. And as I wrote in my piece today, the, the goal in game one was great. Um, I think his best contribution in these playoffs is the way he handled himself after um, the uh, the ESPN announcer, um, you know, deliberately butchered his name and made a joke about it in, in terrible taste during that second round series. And the way Zach Whitecloud conducted himself with, you know, the class and, um, you know, he reached out to the announcer to say that he accepted his apology and, had a lot to say about his upbringing. I, I just thought that that was just a first-class way of handling it and, and speaks volumes about the man that Zach Whitecloud is. Well, and it is – I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, he is um, – I mean, he's turned into a hell of a National Hockey League player. Yeah. I mean, he's on a long-term deal at just south of $3 million a year, and um, he's playing a very, very important role in a team that's 14 of the 16 wins to the Stanley Cup. Um but when we talk about the Vegas Golden Knights, it's hard not as Winnipeg Jet fans and people that watch the Winnipeg Jets to kind of wonder. How, and we know Kelly McCrimmon has incredible roots in this province. So does everybody that's involved with the Winnipeg Jets. Right. From, um, we haven't seen any sort of local flavor, if you will, on this no. club for the most part. 
um, with a few exceptions on the periphery of the uh, of the team, and certainly not very much through the draft. Um, what what can the Jets learn from this Vegas Golden Knights powerhouse that has so many players from our backyard? Well, I think the lesson, uh, and I wrote about this a week or so ago, has sometimes the grass is greener in your own backyard. Um, and, you know, look, I, I, you can go through individual Jets draft picks in recent years, and it, it would be hard to quibble with what they've done. That being said, when you look at the makeup of the team, for example, the Jets seem to have a real fondness for Minnesota-born players, right? They've got a ton of them. And the Jets, I think Shevel Dayoff has talked in the past about there's an appeal there. They, these guys like, you know, playing close to home. Minnesotans do. Um, and it's great. You know, you, you drum up some interest, obviously, just south of the border in the Jets. But it's, it's bizarre to me that they don't feel that way about players, like, way closer to home than even Minnesota. And that's here in Manitoba. And so you watch a guy like Brett Howden. Um, you know, wouldn't Brett Howden look good in a Winnipeg Jets? Uh, they did sign his brother at one point. They that did. didn't go that they, well. That didn't go nearly as well, no. <clears throat> um, but, you know, I, I just think, and I, I did a column last summer where I looked at the, all the Jets drafts since they've come back to Winnipeg. And in their early years, Huss, like 2011, 12, 13, they were picking a lot of players from the dub. And obviously, look at staples of their team right now. Josh Morrissey, Adam Lowry, two of their best, right? Absolutely. Leaders, heart and soul guys, the kind of guys you want to build a team around. But they've really gotten away from that in recent years. A lot of American players, a lot of European players. And look, you just have to see what's happened. Jets have had a lot of American players who didn't want to stick around, whether it's Jacob Truba, uh, Andrew Kopp. You know, you could go down the list. And they've had a bunch of European players who've, Gone back to Europe, Christian Veselainen, uh, Mikkel Burden, uh, Leon Gavanki most recently, you know, a few weeks ago, goes back to Germany. Not that you know, Gavanki and Burden obviously weren't established NHLers. Veselainen wasn't really either. But Yeah, none of those guys are really NHLers. At a certain point, you got to make the team and, for sure. you know, But when you're talking about level. a draft and develop organization and a team that has trouble attracting free agents – a team that's on a lot of no trade lists, it does boggle the mind that there isn't more of, mm. that there's not more fishing in the own backyard, whether that's Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, you know, Western Canada. We just haven't seen it in recent years. I'll be interested to see, you know, coming up in a few weeks at the draft, if the Jets uh, maybe dip their toes into the dub waters a little more than they have. Why do you think it got to that point? I mean, is that just a preference of the scouts or, you know, is that sort of they almost feel like some of those players would have felt better under, for lack of a better term, the uh, term, the uh, the Blake Wheeler era as sort of the, you know, the leader. And it wasn't just him. I mean, starting off, Mark Stewart was a guy that was absolutely beloved. I mean, yeah. he did end up getting bought out for that last year. But, I mean, he was wearing an A right from 2021. I mean, there's always been big-time personalities knowing big leadership roles of this team that have been from Minnesota and, um, you know, not as many or any really, you know, from, uh, from at least our area. I mean, does that play into it? Well, yeah. I mean, I think if, from a leadership perspective, they probably felt like they were in good hands. And I think, you know, and again, you look at the scouting department as a whole, there's probably a, a lot more European flavor to 
um, a lot of the scouting that they were doing. And no doubt there was a, a shift, Haas, to try and focus on getting more skill into the into the prospect pool, um, you know, whether it was puck-moving defensemen or skilled wingers. And, look, I'm not saying the Jets haven't had some great success. Nikolai Ehlers is a world-class winger. Nobody will quibble about taking a guy like that. Kyle Connor, you know, 47-goal scorer. Nobody will quibble that they took an American that year, right? Uh, Connor Hellebuck, he's turned out pretty well as an American. So I'm not saying that the, the Jets, you know, this isn't uh, – a Don Cherry-like sort of rant about, you know, why don't they start taking more of these Canadian kids? But look, it's something that has been expressed to me on many occasions, including from some Western Hockey League scouts who are actually puzzled that the Jets don't lean a little heavier than they have towards that, especially when you look at where Kevin Dayoff, you know, Craig Heisinger, like that's where their roots are, right? These are local guys, Western Canadian guys, cut their teeth in the dub mm-hmm. and uh, the jets have gotten away from that and and i guess you could debate how successful it's been in some cases very successful and others not so much um but yeah i mean you know we know we have, we have no doubt that there's a lot of great hockey players being produced here in manitoba one just has to look at the vegas golden knights mm-hmm. this year for exhibit well, a and, and, and i mean listen to be fair longtime listeners know i've always been a proponent of i don't care what the guy's passport is i mean best give me the player best available. player give me the yeah. best player but let's put the best players together and it's on the coach and the organization to make that work however it is hard to ignore the facts that more often than not there's a ton of canadians on the stanley cup championship team you look at the St. Louis Blues in 2019, the team that the Jets lost to in that first round, in the right. year that the Jets, as a team, completely imploded and arguably blew their best chance to really be Stanley Cup champions and, to be honest, started a downward spiral that you know has gotten us to sort of where we are right now. I mean, there has been regression, but a lot of it was internal. I mean, the makeup of the team. Right. Um, and then you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, and again, I mean... This isn't a team, I mean, yeah, Jack Eichel's an American, and he's a great, great player. I mean, they've got William Carlson for the most part. I mean, this is a team that is built in the in the identity of what Kelly McCrimmon has been working with his entire life, and that is hard-nosed Canadian players, more often not Western Canadian players, and often Manitoba players. Yeah. Well, and, and when you look at the type of hockey that traditionally wins in the playoffs – it's that style of hockey, right? It's It becomes less of an elite skill and speed, you know, may the most talented team win. No, that's not the case. It's the team that can weather adversity, kind of manage emotions, the ups and downs, and obviously a very hard-nosed, rugged style. You know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And it would appear, certainly Kelly McCrimmon has built uh, – a pretty solid foundation in Sin City, much of which uh, contains some Manitoba roots. Uh, and, you know, it would appear that uh, they are on the cusp of uh, of their first Stanley Cup, and it's hard to argue with, uh, with the success that they've had. Well, Mike, let's get over to the Jets. I mean, there hasn't been really any news uh, out of Winnipeg for the last little bit. However, Elliot Friedman was on an, uh, what the intermission of Game 1, saying that, you know, when it's kind of updates from around the league, of course, everyone's interested in what's happening in Winnipeg. A lot's expected, and they are listening to offers on Dubois, on Shifley, and Connor Hellebuck. But then was very clear, 
and reiterated a couple times that this is not a rebuild. Oh, what do you take from that and why do you think? I mean, we know how this information gets put out. I mean, hey, this is what we'll tell you, but you have to make sure. I mean, it's very clear that the organization wants this out there in all caps. How do you interpret that? Well, it tells me that the asking price the Jets have uh, on certain players is not picks and prospects, but established proven players. And preferably, that's a lot of P's, by the way, uh, preferably players that have some term. Um, because if you're the Jets, of course, you're not you're not looking at a rental in return for basically what might be your own rentals going out the door. You want players that are they're going to be here. So presumably you're taking you're looking at established players, but on the younger side with some term. Uh, as opposed to, yeah, gathering as many draft picks as possible or prospects that might be a year or two away and kind of starting over. So I, I don't know. I mean, it was interesting to hear Elliot say that. I wouldn't take that as earth-shattering news, Hus, because, again, you were down there as well at, at exit day. Elliot was basically saying what we kind of heard every player get up there and say, at least guys that are here, you know, the 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 – the Connors and the Ehlers and whatnot, they aren't interested. Nino Niederreiter said it as well. They're not interested in a rebuild. Um, you know, these guys that are here and the Jets do have some very nice pieces already in place, even if you take away the guys that are that are big question marks right now. And then there's the question of this fan base and this market. You know, they've launched a very aggressive push to get season tickets back where they once were, they had over a thousand empty seats on average every game last year. And no doubt there would be concern in this market of how patient fans might be uh, if they basically come out and say, we're not going to be very competitive for the next few years. Well, we kind of rebuild and reset. Um, is that the best strategy? Well, uh, there's a lot of teams out there that have tried and failed to kind of retool on the fly. Um, so we'll see where this goes. But yeah, I mean, to me, the big takeaway is the Jets are asking for proven players uh, and not picks and prospects when it comes to uh, th their big assets that are on the trade market. And isn't it interesting, Hus? The trade winds have started to blow today, which is unusual. The Flyers uh, made one big trade with Provorov. There's word that Carter Hart is now on the verge of being moved as well, potentially. Um, usually you don't get this action while the Stanley Cup final yeah. is still going on. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if there's a trickle down, a domino effect that starts sooner rather than later. And the Jets, of course, are a team that many will have an eye on in that market. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as those trades are happening, I mean, I think that, you know, I guess maybe it's a travel day and there's an extra day in between Two days. Games, in between, so if you're going to yeah. do it, do it now. Um, but back to, I mean, just those comments and it's not a rebuild. <clears throat> Part of me does think that this is a message to, you know, the fan base that, hey, I mean, I get it. And I, I believe that. I kind of, I don't think that anything that they've said is wrong. And the fact that there's enough talent on this club. <clears throat> And even if you move some of those players, like they're not going to be sniffing around. Like to get to the bottom of the league, you'd right. have to really overhaul a lot more than two or three guys on this club. But at the same time, if the message is trying to kind of excite and engage the fan base, 
You know how you do that? Make some significant moves. Go out and, 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 and change things up because, I mean, I don't need to tell you. You hear it all the time in your feedback from your columns on Twitter. We do it all the time. Like, this goes back to, unfortunately, 2019. And <clears throat> I really do think that within that organization, Dave, there is a realization that they need to move on from Blake Wheeler. They need to move on from Mark Shifley. And unfortunately, at the same time, they're sort of being forced to move on potentially from Connor Hellebuck and from Pierre-Luc Dubois. And where does that leave the team? But like we talked with Dave Poulin yesterday. This is a real opportunity as well. And I'm not going to judge anything until all the dust settles. I know people right. are impatient. They want everything to happen right now. But I mean, I really think that, I mean, a good management group, and I, I hope that this is what Winnipeg has. They've got a plan A. This is what we'd like to see happen. But there's a plan B, C, D, and E, and a lot of things involving a number of different teams um, that is basically being executed right now, and we'll see how that all shakes out. But, I mean, anyone that thinks, and if there's anyone there that thinks that the fan base would react positively to just trying to keep this thing together one more time and then right. potentially <laughs> lose guys for nothing, I mean, to me, that is complete insanity and i don't think for a minute that that's what they're thinking in kevin sheveldayoff's office and in management no i mean we have to remember we we're in a very savvy smart hockey market i think the majority of fans um they they understand maybe what needs to be done and where where things should go and and i think there's some patience here this i think fans in this market have been extraordinarily patient and loyal and supportive. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think there's panic buttons being pushed. I also wonder, Haas, if part of, you know, what Elliot said the other night, um, you know, there's probably some negotiating tactics. There's some strategy going on there if you're the Jets. That's the message you obviously want to convey to other teams as well. Um, you know, that they, they, you're trying to drive the price up. You have these very valuable assets the more teams that you can get kind of sniffing around, the more teams that you can get potentially making you an offer. I mean, that's that's what's going to create the best return. Uh, ideally, if you're the Jets, you're going to have several proposals to kind of wade through. And it'll be a little like Christmas in that you'll, you'll kind of make out pretty good no matter which present you open first. Um, the worst case would be that kind of your asking price is either too high or there's just no interest and you don't get the offers. And then you're really kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Now you've got these soon to be expiring assets or, or, or asset or assets and not a lot of demand out there. And, and that's where teams really go wrong. So, you know, I think the jets, they're probably testing the waters a little bit and uh, we'll see if they start getting any nibbles here in the near future. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, when it comes to these deals, I mean, I know there's a lot of people, I mean, in the chat that, I mean, there's a certain portion that are just, I mean, anti everything that Shevel Dayoff does. There's sure. some people that are maybe uh, a little rosy uh, on everything and where the team is at right now. But I think there's a far greater group, Mike, that, you know, looks back and understands that, you know, maybe this job's a little bit tougher than some of the others. Certainly, I mean, you didn't have Matthew Kachuk say, hey, I want to go here and sign right. an extension and make those things. So there is unique challenges. But at the same time, when we look at the deals that Dayoff has made overall, 
he's got a pretty good track record, especially when, you know, maybe being cornered, for instance, the Jacob Truva deal. Now, I will say this, and I've been saying it for a year and a half, I think they needed to be way more proactive with some of these moves, particularly involving Mark Shifley in that core and whatever. That, that to me, was a missed opportunity, and I don't think they're going to get back with what they have done. That being said, and this is something that Pooley said yesterday, this is a unique opportunity that, you know, with a lot of things conspiring together to really reshape, and again, it's not rebuild, it's not retool. <laughs> we, we went through about a dozen different re-words for what this is going to be. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, to make some deals right now, and again, I'm with you, I mean, younger players, players either with term or just, you know, earlier on in their, in yeah. their careers that maybe they haven't popped yet and you've got more team control on that. But the other thing is that I think might or hopefully will play into Winnipeg's hand when making any of these trades is the fact that the free agent pool is so weak it this is. year. And that's a very different story than next year at this time. And for teams that are looking like next year, we're really close. We need a guy like a Dubois, a Shifley, a Hellebuck, might have actually more value this year just because of a lack of other options when it comes to the free agent market. Well, for sure. And even to bring up something you and I have talked in previous uh, sports talks, uh, even the blue line, Huss, uh, whether it's a Neil Pionk or, you know, if, if a team is in the market for an oh, offensive yeah. puck moving defenseman, like there's not a ton of those guys out there. Uh, as UFAs. So it's a limited market. You're right. And I think that certainly works in Winnipeg's favor here as we head uh, into kind of a critical few weeks span. You know, it's remarkable. We sit here today talking on June the 6th. Um, July 1st is not that far away. And, you know, it's 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 remarkable to think what the Jets roster might look like in three and a half weeks or so from now compared to what we have today um and and how different it it truly might be like this is a unique opportunity that winnipeg has um and for sure there's a lot of people that say kevin shovel shouldn't be in this position to begin with um but you can scream that till you're blue in the face that's not changing he obviously has the blessing of ownership he is the guy that's going to be making these decisions and you're right Huss. there there's you know you look at the andrew cop trade uh, what ended up just being a rental for the Rangers, I'd say turned out pretty nicely. They got a nice piece in Morgan Barron. They got a great young prospect in in big bad Brad Lambert. And they got another young defenseman that could be uh, a force in a few years in Elias Salmonson. And again, that was just for a few months rental to two, the Rangers. In two or three years, that trade, and I was speaking with somebody in player development for um, the uh, for the goal. It was Jimmy Roy. I think I talked yeah. about this beforehand. and. You know, we were at a moose game and just chatting, and I mean, he could not say enough good things about last year's draft class. I mean, there is a real hope that last year's draft class is a seminal one for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, is that going to help next year? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and Salmonson, on top of it all, that I mean, no one really knows much about because he's been playing over in Sweden. Um, they might be as excited about him as any of the players that they've selected. Um. But again, it's getting to that point, and it's great to you know pick some of those players. Um, but right now, it's quite clear that he will be judged on how this turns out. And particularly, I mean, what they do with Shifley, what they do with Hellebuck. But Dubois made me more than any because, of course, Dubois is the guy that um, 
they got back for Patrick Laine, and you don't right. win lotteries, and you don't get number two overall picks that score 80 goals as teenagers very often, um, not to mention that popular in the market. So um, yeah. the opportunity is big, but the pressure is big as well. The stakes are high, as they say. Yeah, if you're getting pennies on the dollar, uh, you're not going to make out very well. So that's why a lot of pressure on what ultimately happens with Dubois. You mentioned last year's draft, of course, Rucker McGrory, Brad Lambert, uh, Salmonson. And then what might end up being a steal of the draft is Dominic the goalie, who just won the, the Ontario Hockey League goaltender of the year. You're right. That has the chance to be sort of 2015-esque when you look at what 2015 produced. You know, Connor, they got Ross Levick, they got Mason Appleton, um, you know, Jensen Harkins, Sammy Niku. Um, and, you know, in hindsight, maybe that draft, it looked a lot better a few years ago when they still had Rossovic here and Appleton and Harkins were just kind of coming into their own and Sammy Niku was the AHL defenseman of the year. Uh, but last year could be a time for kind of really replenishing the, the prospect pool. Of course, most of the focus, though, from fans, they want to win now. And that's where the focus turns for Kevin Day off. And we'll see if today's trade or trades by the Flyers uh, get, get the race going a little earlier than usual. Um, and it'll, I, I'm fascinated, Huss, to see if Carter Hart gets traded. And that's there's rumblings that he uh, that something's in the works there. Um, there's not a lot of, of top-tier goaltenders on the trade market. And I'm curious to see what a Carter Hart trade could do in terms of Connor Hellebuck, um, you know, and if there's a ripple effect there. So that'll be something to keep an eye on here in the coming hours and days. No doubt about it. And uh, hey, just one more as it pertains, because we were talking draft, and I cannot wait to get down to Nashville. That, that week could be as interesting a week as we've seen really in 12 years for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. But from your perspective right now, Mike, and I know this is not a rebuild, all caps, we can put it up. Do you think the Jets make just their pick at 18? Or would you um, do you think that they may add picks through some trades that happen before we get to the draft floor at Bridgestone? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be like significant picks that they add. Because again, to me, that gets away from the idea then that that leans more towards a rebuild. If you're adding, you know, really high draft picks, well, there's some significant currency to a high draft pick that you're not getting a high draft pick and a significant player or two that are going to help you win right now. Yeah, but they might I, be trading three guys. Well, for sure. And so to me, it's a bit of an either or like either you're getting players that can help you win now if, if the idea is we're not doing a rebuild or you you're looking now, maybe we see a blend. Maybe we get a little bit of both. As you say, they've got a bunch of assets to move. Uh, so maybe we get an, an additional draft pick in the first round, uh, but also some players that can kind of help in the here and now. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to sleep on the fact that the jets will only have one draft pick in that opening round. I think there's the potential certainly for more, um, based on how this plays out. And that's why, you know, I think Huss, if the Jets are going to make moves, it wouldn't surprise me if they actually happen well in advance of the draft, as opposed to like that day on the draft floor. And now that could still happen. I just wonder if we see, if it's more likely 
that in the day or days before the draft is when we start to see the pieces fall into place. Uh, like Mike, we did with Jacob Truba. Yeah, a few years ago. yeah, no doubt. Um, Mike McIntyre is with us. <clears throat> Mike, before we go, uh, there's a lot of rumblings uh, around the hockey community that are getting a little louder uh, involving. We started off talking about the Western Hockey League. We'll come back to it. Um, have we seen the last of the Winnipeg ice in this city after this great season they just finished? Well, funny you ask, Huss. I'm actually writing about that very thing today. Um, and you're right. I mean, there's some rumors out there that uh, perhaps the Vancouver Canucks organization is uh, is getting involved and uh, in, a, in a potential purchase of the ice. It's difficult to get anybody right now to kind of talk about where things are at. My understanding is there's... Uh, a pretty significant board of governors meeting that's coming up later in June. Uh, and that likely at that point, there's going to have to be kind of a fish or cut bait scenario with the ice. So, I mean, I've heard a number of different scenarios, whether it's just one more year uh, buying a little more time or zero more years or something longer term. Um, I don't know which way I'd lean right now. All I know is that there's a lot happening behind the scenes. It's a very fluid situation, and time is very much of uh, of the essence, uh, as it were, Huss. Yeah, well, I mean, I, like, I have seen, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, just ads on Twitter for season tickets for next season here in Winnipeg. But at the same time, I've also heard and confirmed a few pretty key people involved in that organization that already have other jobs and already are off going doing different things. And, yeah, you know, when you read the tea leaves a little bit, it did seem like it was a little bit of a last dance for the Winnipeg Ice just because, um, you know, that arena that was so much a cornerstone to getting the team here for whatever reason, pandemic, everything else that went into it. Um, has never gotten off the ground and come to fruition. Maybe they'll move to Arizona, Huss. <laughs> I, Mullet probably needs another tenant, right? Well, I could be in a little bit. It sounds like uh, we got one more crack, one more dance with Mullet Arena this year with the Coyotes. Oh, managed to go through a couple of weeks without talking about the Coyotes. Mike, you had to go there, right? <laughs> Rip that Band-Aid off the old wound, indeed. Uh, great having you. We'll look forward to that column on the ice and a um, little yeah. more clarity. I'm just going to get into that with Remo. What um, interesting clip from uh, Donnie and Dally in, uh, yesterday. Mm. And Rick Dallywell, very connected. And when you hear you guys talking about that, like their phone was essentially blowing up blowing like up. a number of things. Um, yeah. you know, usually where there's a smoke, there's a, a little bit of fire. Um, have a great one. Enjoy the uh, Canadian Open. If they ever stop talking about the merger, we'll uh, be following Aaron Cockrell. I know you'll have a bunch of stuff in the pre-press on that. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Enjoy the week. All right. There's our guy, Mike McIntyre. Um, great stuff with Mike. Uh, stay tuned. We've got some great stuff coming up in a minute, but uh, I'm going to bring Remo in. We'll just talk a little bit more about that ice bit uh, before we get out to Feinberg. Um, but hey, uh, Princess Auto, proud sponsor. Speaking of Aaron Cockrell, been behind Aaron for a while along with TCB on his lid. Um, and of course, huge sponsors of the Bombers and the home opener is on Friday. Make your plans to get there early and get out to the Princess Auto tailgate zone. Um, three fifty beer or sorry, five dollar beers, three fifty pop and hot dogs um, until kickoff out at the tailgate plaza area. It opens at five thirty, kickoffs at seven thirty, and uh, of course, big game against the Tie Cats to get things going. Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Blue and Gold, proud sponsors of WST. 
and uh, two locations in Winnipeg. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at Princess Auto. Uh, our consolidated supply folks are busy. I know they're big Bomber fans. And shout out to Winnipeg Walter, who's actually going to get into his first game in his season tickets from Consolidated Supply that he won in the December Marbles Tournament of Champions. What a great game to start that off. Consolidated Supply, great supporters of ours and the leaders in irrigation systems for your property, artificial turf, new and used golf carts is the exclusive club car in Manitoba, and great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens, not to mention the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them at the showroom. They're open to the public at 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. All right, Royal Sports. Uh, hey, we were talking about Bomber Home Opener. I was popping into Royal on the weekend, and a couple things that you're going to want to cop. First of all, tons of great new Bomber gear. T-shirts, Q-zips, jerseys, shorts, uh, and tons of amazing hats. All there just in time for the start of the season. And, of course, they just got their new uh, shipment of Sea Bears hats as well. So if you haven't been able to cop a Sea Bears hat, who, by the way, are playing right now, we'll give you an update on that in just a minute. Um, you can get those all at Royal Sports looking damn good for their inaugural season. All new era stuff, best in the biz. That is all there at Royal Sports right now. Not to mention, get outside, make the most of this weather. We've got soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, disc golf as well, and a huge selection of bikes. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for latest merchandise drops and sale information, especially their world-famous tent sales. And you can pop down and see them at 7 50 Pembina Highway. And of course, no game tonight. We do have Blue Jays in action after Alec Manoa got rocked yesterday and apparently he's been optioned down to Florida on a basically a try and find himself assignment. But if you're looking for a spot for the Jays and of course the um, NBA Finals tomorrow and the Stanley Cup the following day, best place together with friends for the big game is always your local Boston Pizza. Ice cold schooners, world famous BP wings, and gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. And heck, if you're staying in tonight, you can order online at bostonpizza.com. I think I've actually got free delivery on Skip right now for that uh, as well. So uh, you can check that out. Maybe it's different from area to area. Uh, let's get Remo back in here. We are going to go to Jeff Feinberg at the RBC Canadian Open in a minute for what will be an awesome, awesome visit. Is He's got boots on the ground there with the biggest story in all of sports. Um, but Remo, um, just before we get to the Donnie and Dally, uh, Seabears are in action this afternoon. I've been seeing people following the game throughout the um, throughout the afternoon in the chat. Yeah, it, uh, I guess 11 a.m. game. They're playing against Vancouver in Langley, B.C. And 97 to 81 for the Seabears right now. 401 remaining. I'm not sure if the target score has been set. I have the look. We've got the box score here. Shout out to the. CEBL website. They nice. got this. There's Teddy Buckets. Uh, 22 points, 14 boards, six assists. That's a nice line for him. So, Seabears. Okay. So, Teddy Buckets has been so hot ever since Gregory did the reverse mush on him, DMing us about how he couldn't hit a shot and maybe it was Teddy Bricks. He's now been Teddy Buckets ever since then. Had a monster game in their last win. And I tell you what, they can pull this win off. And it looks like they're now at the target score. So I guess they'll need to get to 103 for their second win. Um, 
We're going to be talking about a team that's three and one and not already with a couple wins on the road, if they can finish this one out. And of course, coming back at home next week for their second home game on, I believe the 12th. Yeah. I don't know where they showed the target scores. Some people are saying it's one Oh six in Chad, but either well, way, if it's 91. Not... Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Sorry. That's right. Add nine. So yeah, that would make sense. So but, this um... three fifty five, if they've stopped, that's the first break. And mm-hmm. then uh, presumably they do a timeout, and then they come back and the target scores. Like that's so. a huge lead, uh, expansion team. And I see people in chat writing, this is following the trend of expansion teams winning. Yes. Expansion team means wins. It used to mean you have a shit team, and then they move to another city, like the Thrashers or the Grizzlies. But no, 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 no. The Kraken and the Golden Knights reverse the trend. You're getting an expansion team. They better give you something good so you can... Sell it to the fan. Hey, uh, just before, and I know I brought this up with Mike, but I did want to touch on this. You know, we got with everything else going on, we didn't get to it at the start of the show. But mm-hmm. uh, um, Rick Dallywall, as I mentioned, and uh, of course, Donnie out there on Donnie and Dally talking yesterday about um, the potential. Uh, lots of rumors that the Winnipeg Ice are headed west. And uh, you know what they had, Mike had mentioned on this, that the, potentially the Aquilinis were involved and they were considering taking it to Chilliwack. I heard from a couple sources that you know there was a couple of other spots out in BC or Eastern Washington that might be a spot for a team. Um, what I haven't heard, Remo, was anything positive on the future of the Winnipeg Ice here in Winnipeg, and, and that's really unfortunate. Um, it seemed like they were fighting an uphill battle in that rink. Their new rink never came together. They had such an amazing team this year and finally got to play in the big rink in the a- and the uh, WHL playoffs. Never ended up getting back for a game six or seven, and it could very well be that loss to Brad Lambert and the Seattle Thunderbirds in game two of the series in Winnipeg was the last time we've seen, last we've seen of the Winnipeg Ice and the WHL here in Winnipeg for the time being. Yeah, someone mail, emailed it to me yesterday. Donnie and Dally on their YouTube channel had about a four-minute chat. Rick Dallywell saying he's just hearing a lot um, about the... Uh, but Winnipeg Ice possibly going to Chilliwack and Aquilini, Francisco Aquilini, the owner of the Canucks, interested in purchasing them. But it just seems like a lot of smoke on the ice. We had, what, the report that they got a fine, which you know they denied and made Mike Sawatsky apologize for for not building the arena, which was a condition of them moving the team here. And that's the number one question every single day. When are they getting the arena? When are they getting there? And they never... They never built it, so you can't keep. You know, <laughs> the ice are basically the the Coyotes of the WHL right now, playing in the what? Like, how many people are in uh, the Ice Cave Wayne Fleming Arena? Like, I mean, it's sixteen hundred, seventeen hundred. And then you see the Re- Quebec Ramparts filling what eighteen thousand people, and I mean, obviously different circumstance, but it was the smallest arena. Can't keep doing that forever, and. You know, where there's smoke, there's fire. So obviously a lot of smoke and we'll see what happens. But uh, a lot of, I guess there's a lot of rumblings with the Winnipeg Ice. And, you know, when you, ha- when you have a team that goes through the process of trying to win a championship and, you know, they've traded all these picks, I think this is kind of nearing the end of this this run. This of- was the year. This was the year yeah. if they were going to do it. <laughs> so we'll have to, you know, we'll stay tuned to the story. But people are interested which is a shame because it seemed like people they had trouble filling the building of, you know, the smallest building in the WHL. I don't know. I don't know why maybe people didn't want to go to the arena or maybe people didn't even know the Winnipeg Ice 
we're here with you know, in terms of marketing, but I if they had you know if they did have we're able to build that arena. I do wonder if it would have worked. It also would be nice to have that you know small arena for like other concerts and stuff like that. I wonder oh, if sure. if it could be yeah. uh, could be successful. Well, the way that area of the city's grown, I mean, the one place I think that it was possible was to do it out by the rink training center, out McGillivray, because it's not technically part of the city of Winnipeg and. You know, there's a deal with True North on venues of a certain size uh, within city limits. Um, but I mean, I think they had a plan. Unfortunately, it just hasn't come to fruition. Hey, listen, just before we get uh, down to uh, Oakdale, Gold Eyes are back in action tonight uh, against the Chicago Dogs, beginning a six-game homestand this week. Uh, incredible weather. Uh, a great, I can't imagine a better setting. I mean, we had it for the first nine games. It just continues right now. Best weather we've ever seen for baseball this early in the season. Um, you got all the great offerings of the Gold Eyes, the great food, the great drink. Tonight, they're taking on the Chicago Dogs. And tomorrow, they're expecting 6,000 students for a game at 11 a.m. So uh, be all hands on deck tomorrow at Shaw Park. Uh, you can find out more at goldeyes.com. Again, Kerry Anderson throwing at the first pitch on Saturday at the game. And that'll be a fireworks game for Métis night on the weekend. Uh, but all the information, including ticket availability and information on that ballpark brew fest that we talked about yesterday is all there at goldeyes.com. All right, we we hit this huge story right off the top, and we had planned this already to talk to Jeff Feinberg. He's one of our favorites to have on the program. It's the RBC Canadian Open, and it happens to be held at his home course. Uh, who could have possibly imagined that when we planned to talk to Feinberg today that this morning would be the bombshell of all bombshells in the sports and business world that PGA and live are getting together. But uh, that's the backdrop for our visit with a very special guest right now. While Jeff Feinberg joins us from Oakdale, the site of the RBC Canadian open on Winnipeg sports talk. Feinberg. It's great to have you on. Uh, the topic of this segment took a little bit of a hard right this morning with the news out of nowhere that the PGA Tour and Live are merging just as we get ready for tee-off on Thursday. We'll get to the tournament in a minute, but first off, uh, uh, immediate reaction. Uh, I honestly had to check that it was April 1st. I have not been as stunned about a piece of sports news in as long as I can remember. So I was shocked, like a lot of people, did not really expect that coming. I can tell you Phil Mickelson spent the last week tweeting like he knew the Powerball numbers, though, Hustler, were coming up on, on Tuesday morning. I tell you, and in and around the putting green here, listen, I mean, there's about nine or ten great players here, and it's a pretty weak field after that. So sort of a lot of the players that I've seen conversing are maybe that mid to lower tier PGA Tour player, but none of them knew. None of them knew. I don't know if a Rory McIlroy knew or a John Rahm, but this has taken a lot of players by complete surprise. There's a lot of bewilderment, uh, confusion. There's a lot of hearing like, um, you got to feel, imagine being one of those guys that turned down the super bag. Like, right. What, what did you do that for? And I was right beside guys like Brendan Todd and Pat Kazire who were, who were pretty much making comments like their boy Hudson Swafford got 10 million. They could have at least scored seven. So there's a lot of confusion here. I will say as the dust is kind of settled on it, I'm happy. 
Like, we get golf back, we get all that back. Should I be upset that guys like Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Morikawa turned down $100 million offers? I'm sure they're fuming, and I don't know how they get made good. But we get Patrick Reed back. We get that President's Cup with full steam in, in Royal Montreal next year. Like, there are a lot of positives. I don't... There are a lot of negatives, and I think players that spoke out and put their feet in the ground have to feel like idiots. They had their knees cut out from right under them. They have to be made to feel like really stupid or they stood up for a cause and were lied to. So how does Rory McIlroy, John Rahm feel about that? But in general, I don't really, it's not my problem that Rory McIlroy didn't take a bag. And I'm happy that the best players will play together more often as spoiled North American sports fans. Yeah. The way it sounds like the, uh, the Saudi uh, PIF is going to be the chairman, but Jay Monahan has angled himself to be the CEO of this new venture. Um, I, I can't imagine that he's a very popular guy amongst the rank and file of the PGA Tour right now. I mean, there's so many ramifications of this on every level of the sport, but the bottom line is this is a guy that has been pleading with the likes of the Rory's and the Roms and well, all members of the PGA Tour to stick around and out of the blue, they find out, as Mackenzie Hughes said on Twitter today, that they're merging with Live Golf. Yeah, it's truly incredible. And I'll be honest, Huss, my first reaction was to feel bad for the like the super bag guys that turned it down. Like, remember those crazy tag team rumors we heard about Cantley and Shoffley? Like, they'd go as a team for these preposterous numbers. But I think I now that it's settled, I kind of feel bad more for that second or third tier player who could have maybe gotten 20 million, who isn't as good of a golfer as any of those other guys who don't have the means to make the money off the course like maybe a top 20 player does. Those are the guys that I like. I feel like I might have a little more sympathy for is a guy in that like 20 million dollar range who turned it down. Uh, I'm, there's a players only meeting at four o'clock here at Oakdale hustler. I will promise you, I am not leaving. I might leave the pro I live close enough. I could go home, take a little rest, put the feet up, but I got a media credential so I could go get some, you know, drink and eat inside anyway, but I will be here when players are exiting the property after that. I will be, I will be here. Like I, I, I've told my wife, this is like Dan Rather calling his wife saying, I got to go to Baghdad and I might be here a while today. Oh, you were already planning to be there and it just started <laughs> happening. And you know this spot that this meeting of the PGA Tour players quite well. Yes, Hustler. Well, I assume it's in the dining room in the clubhouse. I mean, where else are they going to have a meeting with 150 guys? That's, I mean, I'm a member here. That's where I had my bar mitzvah party. My wife forbid for us to get married here. So I, I, we will not do that. But, but um, we celebrated many great family events here in that dining room, Mother's Day brunches, holidays, all that fun stuff. Um, yeah, but I will tell you, there hasn't been a meeting that feisty in that room probably since the old Jewish ladies got together to, to argue about redecorating the coffee shop. So I'm looking forward to it. And as I joked with you, I, I got, you know, I, I know the people who run food and beverage here. Give me a black sport coat, a white shirt, some slacks. Feinberg's going to go pour some water. <laughs>
this needs to happen. Uh, we're talking with Jeff Feinberg uh, at Oakdale before what was supposed to be a practice round. And uh, the RBC Canadian Open, I, I, I mean, it almost takes a back seat. Um, I know guys will be getting ready for their rounds on Thursday, but frankly, the entire sport um, and really the entire sports world, I think, is talking about this tour and frankly, what's going to be happening at 4 p.m., in that dining hall right now. I, I wonder what this does to the tournament overall once we actually get going for play on Thursday. Yeah, so it's clearly overshadowed the tournament. I could argue maybe it gives the tournament some well-needed buzz away from all golf talk being about the U.S. Open. So inside, I like that I have a Canada flag flowing in behind me there too. Perfect uh, angle. But um, yeah, it definitely takes away from the tournament. Hustler at 1 p.m., Matthew Fitzpatrick has media availability in the press room. I will be there, but he was a guy who was outspoken that they shouldn't be allowed back. They shouldn't be allowed on the Ryder Cup, President's Cup teams. He is not Rory McIlroy, not John Rahm, but he is one of the higher-end players in golf who did sort of plant his flag. And I'm sure he turned down a huge live offer. I have no doubt. So, I feel bad for Matt because he's going to be the first person who actually has to speak to this. Jay Monahan gets to put out a statement. I don't know whether they've canceled the presser. I, I doubt it. I don't know whether there'll be an instruction to not talk about it, but or not, not to ask about it, but we shall, uh, we shall see. How, uh, how in the world does this happen so suddenly with seemingly awesome. nobody knowing this was happening. I mean, you look at the golf media around. I'm talking to Hustler. Yeah. Aaron, you want to say hi to Patterson? Dude, right here, Aaron Cockrell. I'm doing a hit with. with... Get out of here, Aaron. What's, what? going, How you what's doing? going on? The I just recognized is... the voice when I walked by and said I listened to their pod a lot, and I love it. That's great, man. Yeah. Listen, good luck this week. We're uh, everyone back home pulling for you. Thanks, Hustler. Awesome. Aaron, have a great week, man. You think you're going to play or just practice? Or just uh, cut here? Awesome. Awesome. All right. Maybe I'll, I'll, all right. Maybe I'll, I'll join him for that walk. Uh, oh, fine. We're coming through big time for the peg here. With, uh, Aaron Cockle. Dude, oh my God. That was awesome. I felt big time. There's a dude walking with track, man. Looks like a player. He's like coming over, like acknowledging that he recognizes me. I'm like, I don't know how a, anyone would know me. And yeah, he comes right over and it's awkward. And I know you guys are boys. So what a, what a moment there. Huss. That was, uh, <laughs> that was amazing. I knew it was going to be great to have you at your home course. Didn't think we might be able to pull uh, pull that off. Um, hey, just I mean, listen, the entire discourse is going to be about this live PJ tour conversation. But uh, tell us a little bit about Oakdale and uh, the last couple days on the grounds. Uh, the rough looks pretty gnarly. Uh, what sort of test is this going to be for the members of the current PGA tour that tee it up on Thursday? Yeah, so I'll be honest, and I've said a few times, going back to when this thing happened and when it was rumored to happen, I told the first four or five people who told me this could be happening, I called them liars and idiots. There's no way the pros would be coming here. Um, I didn't think the property was big enough, nor did I think the infrastructure on the property for all the tents and what would sort of be required to put on what's required here. But we have pulled it off, Huss. I sort of feel like... The movie she's all that where we're a nice nondescript pretty girl but then she got all dolled up and walked down the stairs and i take a look at this property and it 
it, it, like a, a great sense of pride. I've never seen it in better shape. It's a classical parkland golf course. Uh, you'll tee up from above. You'll hit down into valleys. You'll tee right back up. Um, I got to be honest, though. Some of the feedback I've gotten from caddies seem to think that it's playing harder than I ever could imagine. Now, if I was out here today, I'd lose 100 golf balls, and the pins are quite criminal compared to member play. But uh, I still think it's an easier property than St. George. I don't think very who could argue who's played both. And they got to 19 under at St. George last year. Now, is that a byproduct of Rory got to 19 under? So that's a bit of a different, you know, quality of standard. Um, I still think we clear we clear 18 under here. I think we go lower than St. George, Haas. They'll, they'll, they'll score here quite easily, I believe. Hey, uh, speaking of Rory, um, has he been uh, been seen on the property over the last little uh, you know twenty four hours or so? I know he came to Canada on Sunday night. Okay, so I have not seen Rory on the property, and I've got people all over. I got I get sweet nothing messages. If there's a Rory sighting, I would be notified. Um, I saw his caddy, Harry Diamond, walking the course, checking out the sort of bombing gouge areas. Like he was way deep on the first. Must have been going down there into the rough. Like, okay, if Rory wants to unleash here, could we still make this happen? So I've seen his caddy scouting the course. I've seen no sign of Rory, who's probably up to his ass in RBC corporate obligations, but I'm quite shocked we haven't seen him on the course yet. Will he be here at 4 p.m.? <laughs> I hope so. How? I mean... I, I do think about Rom and McElroy, but McElroy in particular, he was sort of the face of the PGA Tour when it was as divided as and it's ever been. And it's obviously taken a real toll on Rory. Um, you know, I, do you think he's happy about this, considering everything they've put in, but knowing what the future is going to be for guys like him to put this behind them? I don't know. This thing kind of, it, 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 it did a lot of damage to a lot, right? Between, uh, reputations uh potential friendships jeff how's it going good good saying hi to jeff ogilvy former major champion it spells it spells his name Gioff, like myself so we have that uh we have that going for us um I, I, Rory, yeah, I'm sure he's pissed. I don't know if it's, but for Rory, I don't think it's pissed that he like turned down 150 million. I think he's pissed because this makes him look really stupid, right? This whole discourse now turned into a shit show. It was a shit show. Uh, he sort of put himself on that pedestal and he did, a, you know, there was a lot of double talk, but he put himself on the ledge and now it feels like the commissioner kicked off the best players. Like in the NHL, Huss, as fans, it seems like everyone hates Gary Bettman, can't stand him. But by all accounts, he does great for the owners. The thing about the PGA is the owners are the players. The owners are the players. Who owns the PGA? Rory McIlroy owns the PGA. Jordan Spieth owns the PGA. John Rahm owns the PGA. That's who might have been real pissed off today. So there has to be a trickle down. And next week's a major. So this is just the beginning of, I don't know. There's so many unknowns still, but it's so weird. So have you thought at all about what golf next year looks like? Like is, is there, is Spieth going to be drafted to the range goats? I mean, will the, uh, will the high flyers already be in negotiations to get Hideki Matsuyama on their squad? Like what happens to live? I honestly have no idea what, ha yeah, I, I, there's so many questions. The one thing we did notice is 
that that seems to be kicked out of this whole operation, though, for the moment, appears to be Greg Norman. Us. There's no mention of him anywhere in any of this. His 15 minutes might have expired. Uh, Jeff Feinberg's with us at Oakdale getting ready for the uh, RBC Canadian Open, which is a pretty much an afterthought with the bombshell news this morning of the merge of the uh, PGA Tour and Live Golf. Um, that being said, we do have our National Open this week. We're getting a great look from Feinberg of the course, and that is the uh, practice area. Just give us a bit of a scene setter, Feinberg, and uh, you got a pick or two for us as to who you think might be uh, sanded on that green with the trophy on Sunday afternoon? Uh, well, for me, my pick is Tommy Fleetwood, but that should come as no surprise uh, to anybody. What was your moment yesterday with him, by the way? Oh, it was great. It was great. I mean, listen, he was working on the range. He caught an eye of me. He then, like, whispered to his coach. Clearly, there's that weird guy who was messaging me on the Internet. Then the coach turned around and looked and smirked, so I knew they were talking about me. But we had our moment. And he's smart enough to probably realize it was unavoidable. And he probably resigned to the fact that we're going to see each other every day. Uh, and, uh, and hey, you've been hotter than hell. Had Vic last week. Why not Tommy? He's probably thanking that you're going to be riding with him the way you've been picking lately. Listen, us. what's the knock on Tommy? Do we have PGA Tour wins? No, we don't. Where's 99% of PGA Tour events in America? Tommy doesn't win in America. Tommy has won all over Europe. He's won in the Middle East. He's won in South uh, South Africa. Why not Canada? Why not, Tommy? Come on. And I don't know what his opinion of me is now. It's probably a little wishy-washy. But I think if he wins this tournament, he'll have to think fondly of me. <laughs> oh, believe me, there'll be a dinner <laughs> invite the next time he comes back to defend the tourney. Well, I think we've locked it in. Tommy to win the tournament and our guy Aaron Cockrell popping on the show today live while you're doing your bit with us for top Canadian at the events and playing into the weekend. It's going to be awesome. Listen, uh, folks, if, if you missed, if you want more reaction from PGA Tour and Live, Jeff went on with Tim and Pat Mayo on the PME, the Pat Mayo experience earlier today. Check that podcast out. And uh, Feinberg, I, I will be living vicariously through you and all of your tweets. Please keep up the dominant work on social media. And if you can get in that uh, meeting this afternoon, we'll look forward to all of your boots on the ground reporting for golf fans around the world this afternoon for the uh, for the big meeting where you had your bar mitzvah in the dining room at Oakdale CC. All the best, Haas. you the man anytime. All right. <laughs> all time visit on WST from Jeff Feinberg. And how about the little cameo in from Aaron Cockrell, our guy teeing it up this weekend at the RBC Canadian open. That was, uh, uh, listen, I see the chat. I mean, we know why Feinberg is so popular. He's just a hilarious dude, a great friend of mine, been doing talking golf and football with him for a long, long time. That was certainly the most memorable Feinberg visit though. I think that we've ever had, uh, obviously all our golf reports, and throughout this crazy week, brought to you by our friends at Breezy Bend. Uh, you got a youngster? You want to get them uh, working on uh, maybe some of that live and PIF money for uh, later on in their life? Great junior program out of Breezy Bend. Uh, incredible long-term home for you and your family with the championship course. 
great practice facilities and the best 19th hole around. Talk to our pal Corey Johnson, the uh, incredible GM there at Breezy, about getting on the waiting list for next year if you'd like to make Breezy Bend your long-term golfing home. You can find out more online at breezybend.ca. Um, our friends at Little Brown Jug are fired up for the weekend. Folks, if you missed the big news last week, Little Brown Jug is now an official partner with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, which means you'll be able to get the great taste of 1919, their flagship beer at Bomber Games this season and in the future. Now, I did some recon for you. It's not at all of the beer stations. Obviously, I believe it's Molson still has a huge, huge uh, imprint there in Winnipeg. But if you're looking for great local beer, the Poutineries, and I believe it's the hometown uh, hometown concession stands um, on both the upper and lower bowls have 1919. So uh, pick it up on Friday. It's going to be a great day to have a 1919 and watch the Bombers kick off their season against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And uh, a big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. This heat reminds me of a couple of the times that I've been out at Aikens. And uh, you, know, you fish all day, maybe sit up shop for a shore lunch, jump in the water for a while. And uh, while the incredible guides make a uh, incredible meal for you with all the fish that you caught in the morning. There's really nothing like the Aikens experience. And as great as the fishing is, folks, the Turen and Aikens team's hospitality is that much better. Incredible option for corporate tours or events, as well as friends and family tours. They're over 90% booked for this year. Uh, but go to AikensLake.com or hit up, hit, hit, hit Turen up at AikensLake on Twitter. And let them know you're uh, looking at availabilities for this year or get planning at Aiken's trip next year. Again, online at AikensLake.com. All right, we do have to get to Cool Bet Lines. And uh, we're back at the track tonight. But Remo, uh, I believe uh, the trade to announce is now confirmed with the uh, Blue Jackets and the Kings. And the Flyers are involved. Fill me in. Yes, here is the trade. Shout out to Daily Faceoff, DFO Fantasy, for spelling it out for us here in this nice little chart. Sorry, podcast listeners, I'll just read it for you. So Columbus gets Ivan Provorov, and LA retains 30% of Provorov's salary, and Philadelphia gets Cal Peterson, that's from LA, he had the big contract, Sean Walker, defenseman, prospect Helgi Granz. Uh, Philadelphia also gets from LA uh, their 2023 second round pick. And Philadelphia gets the 2023 first round pick, 22nd overall. That is LA's original pick, which was traded to Columbus in the Corpus Allo Gavrikov deal. So for Columbus, basically, they traded, they get trade a first round pick for Provorov, and LA retains 30% of the salary. And L.A. dumps uh, the Cal Peterson contract, Sean Walker contract. They trade away second pick in Helgi Grands. And, and uh, Philadelphia gets they gets a first-round pick, a second-round pick, mm-hmm. uh, Cal Peterson, Sean Walker, and Hel- Helgi Grands. So, um, you know, Columbus, they're trying to contend. They want to shore up their defense, so they're going with Ivan Provorov to do that. L.A., they're trying to get rid of salary so they can sign Vladislav Gavrikov and I don't know, maybe try to get another goalie, possibly Connor Hellebuck or... We know a guy. Well, we know a guy. Yeah, I don't know if they're trying to get him. And Philadelphia's like, hey, we're tanking, you know, give us... Or we, we're re, they're rebuilding. That's a team that is definitely 
rebuilding for sure. Confirmed rebuild. And there you get, what, two picks, a prospect, and a couple of overpriced guys. I'm sure, what are they going to do with Peterson? Like, send him to the minors? Is he going to play? But, uh, who knows? I mean, goalies are weird, man. I mean, he'll get to go to camp, yeah. and uh, maybe he's in a new situation. I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, he was pretty damn good in L.A. up until signing that three-year contract. Mm-hmm. Then he just completely lost it. So you can find it back. He'll get a chance. But, I mean, this was not about Cal Peterson. They had to take Cal Peterson to get the first round pick, the second yeah. round pick, and the other uh, the other assets that they got. That's a nice trade. So they just gave up Provorov and got a... That's a really big haul for Ivan Provorov. I don't know, kind of rivaling rivaling the uh, Tanner Janot haul that he got uh, number in terms of number of pieces. At least I think I think Kevin Connaughton, uh, former Moose, was actually also involved in this trade, but he's not relevant for fantasy, so they didn't. They didn't inc- include him on DFO fantasy. Such but disrespect of former Moose, uh, Moose Connaughton. But and then the other rumor that this Anthony DeMarco and David Pagnano from fourth period, they're saying uh, Philadelphia is also in talks on moving Carter Hart. So did they say with who? They did not. No teams were mentioned. But uh, well, trade season. You know the Stanley Cup final. It's over. So yeah, just open the trade floodgates. Rumor central. Uh, we're, let's have some fun here, hey? Yeah, no doubt. Hey, listen, speaking of fun, we're going to get to our horse picks in a minute, but let's get over to our great partners at CoolBet for the lines today. And we got no game in the NBA finals. We got no game in the NHL finals. So we'll focus in on the Blue Jays. Big Blue Jays news today, though, and I think I mentioned this earlier. Alec Manoa heading down to Florida to try to find his game. He got absolutely murdered last night. Gave up six runs and seven hits in the first inning. Only registered one out. And that game was pretty much over against the Astros before it even started. That being said, Kevin Gossman's on the bump tonight against Houston. Jays are a minus 133 favorite. Gossman's had five really solid starts in a row. Um, I kind of like them to win. I think I might put the Jays on my daily pick for CoolBet. Follow them on Twitter at CoolBetCanada. They'll fire that out later on, and of course, on Instagram. They do have a bunch of Blue Jays daily exclusives. All Goss, no breaks. Uh, Seven-plus strikeouts from Gosman, and the Jays to win is plus 150. Uh, we've got a double-chance dinger, Guerrero or Alvarez, to record a homer at plus 180. George Springer's revenge. Two-plus total bases for Springer and a Jays win. And uh, the hit parade, Springer, Bo, Vlad, Belt, all to record a hit or more, plus 265. Check those out in the exclusives. And tomorrow, we're going to do a special lock shop. Pat Gregoire is going to join myself and Dustin Nielsen, and that's going to be right after Winnipeg Sports Talk. So I'll mention that tomorrow, but around 3.30 Winnipeg time, we'll get at it with some picks for both Game one of the Canadian Football League season, the Thursday nighter, and our picks for the RBC Canadian Open. Again, huge thanks to CoolBet for uh, their uh, support. And, of course, the Winnipeg Sports Talk at the NHL Draft begins on June 26th, sponsored and presented by our gang over at CoolBet. All right, Remo, uh, I did not have any luck last night. I've spread my bets out well through 1-7 to tonight, trying to make things happen, but... uh, why don't you give me your uh, your selections right off the bat to get things going? Parade to post tonight, or post time, is 7.30 p.m. And if you want 
some information on guys who actually know what they're talking about with the picks. Get on with Kirk and Stretch, 645 on the AS Downs YouTube channel. Where are you going tonight? Yeah, you and I both went over yesterday, so I still got a bit of a lead on you. Uh, I'm pulling up my picks here. I'm enjoying, enjoying the chat. Shout out to SK. claims that uh, he just had an encounter with Josh Morrissey, and uh, he name-dropped you to, to Josh, who was on our show at the end of the season. So, uh, nice. so I saw that Josh was just in Spain. Yeah, that's what I said. He's checking out some soccer matches. Anyway, we'll have to get him back on. Josh, a big fan favorite of the Jets, and of course, us here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Okay, here are my picks. Race one, exacta, first, second, any order. Maybella, which I've definitely bet on before, and Dazzling Gold. I got that one. I'm going with race two, another exacta. Three, four. Green, Amazon, and Canadian Authority, first, second, any order. I got race five. I'm picking, this is a big one, Huss. Picking Melisandre to win in this 10-horse race. That is a race is massive. $4 bet. Race five and race seven are enormous tonight. And race six, I'm doing a triactor box. One, two, three, any order, $1. You know, for six total. I got Leah's on tune. Bye, y'all. And Big Al's Princess. I always love By Y'all. I think By Y'all might be online. I think we've hit those before. I definitely have bet on Leo's on Tune last year. <laughs> I've definitely bet on By Y'all. So that's what I got tonight. Hopefully it's better than my last night. I'm going uh, 4-2 Exacta in race number one, Maybella and HD's Hope. I'm going a 4-2 Exacta. In race number two, Canadian Authority and Blazing Bow. In race number three, what do I got here? I'm going number five to win. That's Meta J. And then in race number four, I've got another win bet. Uh, number three is Bottle of Smoke. So I'm betting on the J. I'm betting on the Smoke. Uh, hopefully something can come through. What about what you're not going to do b- bottle of smoke with explosive? <laughs> explosive? <laughs> I could have done that. Oh yeah, race five is the big one. So I did go for a tractor box on this one. Mission Bell, Orange Theory, and Speedy Gigi. Kind of stayed away from a few of the favorites, but anything can happen in those. That that could make my year. Just that one wager. So we'll see what happens with that one tonight. Uh, and then the last two races, I actually kind of sprinkled throughout. Uh, race number six, I've got four to win. That's by y'all. And then race number seven, the final race, uh, I've got uh, two, 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 win number six to win. And that is number six. Oh, Crown Royal. Yes. Crown Royal was a good one last year. 10 to one right away. 12 horses in that final race tonight. Um, I might actually add an extra one. Might have to watch. That's a crazy race. For sure. Uncle Mo's cat's in there. Uh, What a name. Man, Toil and Trouble. Or Toil, yeah, Toil and Trouble, number 11. Oh, and Hard West, actually, the favorite at uh, number 12. So, uh, great night. um, And some massive, massive races. Should be good for the the handle, as they say. Cinnaboy Downs, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 7.30. Give them a call. Maybe try and get a... uh, 
reservation in the dining room one of these days for that incredible buffet. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, we've got a lot of great options tonight with this beautiful weather. Head out to the track, bet on the ponies, get on down to the ballpark, check out the gold eyes. And I guess just before we finish off, Remo, I know everyone was following this throughout the show uh, online and in the chat. Uh, much like the first game for the Sea Bears against the Vancouver Bandits, they had a massive lead once they got into the target score time and made it a lot closer than anyone would have liked. But they got the win. And our basketball team is now 3-1 and one on the season. Yeah, we're following here. Uh, the game is on TSN+. Plus. Uh, CBL's got a really nice website that uh, has it all. So they won 106-103. It's a huge lead heading into this target score. And I don't know, when the Seabears are in target score, like none of their shots go in. It's like one of those video games that, you know, makes every game close intentionally. Huh? So they just couldn't stop <laughs> missing their shots, so. Uh, pretty awesome. They pulled it off. I thought it was going to be uh, an epic collapse, but no, they pull it off. 106-103. So, uh, nice little afternoon Sea Bears action. Love it, love it. Well, uh, we might get a little rain tonight. I saw Travis in chat saying that. I mean, you know, if, if anything, it'll kind of come and go. It was weird. I saw a bizarre stat that a couple days ago, one of the measuring stations in Winnipeg had close to an all-time record with like 52 millimeters of rain in the one day. And in other parts of the city, we barely saw anything. So who knows? Uh, who knows about that? I can tell you what I'm going to be doing tonight, though. Uh, I'm going to be checking out more of aftermath of this Live Saudi uh, tour and the PGA merger. I still cannot wrap my head around it. And Remo, what a perfect day. We'd already booked Mark Zacchino to come on tomorrow and talk to us about the RBC Canadian Open. I have a feeling we might be hitting uh, the merger with Z as well. Yeah, I was looking forward to talking about RBC, but how do we not talk about this PGA Live Golf? I'm sure more um, stuff will come out of it this uh, afternoon as that press conference, I think, is taking place now, or is that the player the player meeting? So Yeah, the meeting is going, going right now. <laughs> so this is, um, this is a pretty fascinating... Sports story, news story, business story. Um, kind of sh shocking that they would, after a year of what, you know, trying to take the high road, they just end up taking the money. Not even the high road. I mean, trying to be, you know, proposing, purporting that, you know, this is a principled thing. Where's the money coming from? That was a huge talking point. And I guess once it gets, once the bag is big enough, then it doesn't matter where the money's yeah. come from anymore. I don't know what this means for, I mean, there's so many questions about this. How does live work? The PGA tour work? What does this mean for guys like Aaron Cockrell on the DP world tour mm -hmm. going forward? And by the way, just quickly, while we mentioned Cockrell, if you do want to give him a little touch at 14 to one for top Canadian over in cool bet, they do have that as well. So the one thing say? too, and I'm following uh, Dave Zirin on Edge of Sports on Twitter. He's got a quote from a player who says, it's insanity. The live tour was dead in the water. It wasn't working. Now you're throwing them a life jacket? Is the moral of the story just to always take the money? And, I mean, we talk about the PG. I mean, these guys got paid so much money, and, like, no one was watching live. Like, our, the YouTube numbers were pretty bad. Their TV deal, no one knew where it was on like they could have just left it alone and maybe it would have have died and now it must have been some ridiculous sum of money for them to accept and people were asking us as if we would take saudi money uh if they ever came for wst 
Well, you know what? We could say no. We could say it would be principled. Like everyone else in the world, if the bag was big enough, we <laughs> might have the. Uh, but I don't want to make it. I don't want to make light of it. I mean, even Phil himself. I mean, you know, in those quotes to Alan Shipnuck before he went over. Mm -hmm. I mean, his quote was, "Those are scary mother bleepers." Um, you know, they. You know, their treatment, their human rights um, record is abhorrent, um, and they killed Jamal Khashoggi. And uh, there's a lot of people that still have a problem with that, never mind how involved they were with, what, 27 of the 33 9-11 attackers. Um, but listen, it's quite clear that um, money can change everything. But this is this is just the start of the story. So anyways, we'll have the Z-Man on tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, as uh, Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man, once said, everybody's got a price. And... Great reference. Great. Well, we reference. had uh, Gene Okerlund in chat, has ref, you know, giving a shout out earlier. So, yeah, Gino, I think me and Gene said he's going to be at the Bomber game on the weekend. Looking forward. Maybe we'll uh, get a chance to uh, chance to meet yeah, him. Yeah, one, one thing about the Bomber game, we do need to end with this. This is perfect. Yes. Everyone was texting you this <laughs> earlier nonstop. today. Uh, speaking of everyone has a price, there is a price for what has to be the biggest hot dog in I'm going to venture pro sports. Like we've heard the foot long hot dog. We've heard of a two foot long hot dog. How does a 32 inch monster dog sound? Well, that is exactly what our guy Jamarcus Hardrick is wearing along with the, the bombers big hat. By the way, if you want to get on the screen, the one thing I noticed from, the, uh, from the preseason game. If you want to get on the Jumbotron, get one of these big hats. They were very, very popular and easy to pick out. Um, yes, there is a monster dog. Now, Gregory sent me some details on this. It is a 32-inch hot dog topped with pierogi bites, sour cream, green onions, and something else, I'm not sure. Available for purchase in section 125 for 45 bucks. That's a good deal, so, man. I well, I mean, I guess I will say this. You know what is a great deal? The regular hot dogs, three fifty. I had two of them at the last game. I really probably should have done a hot dog review, but it was so hot, I was so sticky, I didn't want to pull the camera out. But whether you want a three fifty dog before the game, hit the Princess Auto tailgate zone, or whether you want to, I'd love to see somebody try and take this down themselves, or maybe a competition. The the uh, <clears throat> Gold Eyes Grand Slamwich against the yard dog it would be nice you know to order that just for a group of people and just cut it into you know sections i think mm -hmm. i wonder if the value that's there i can't really see the toppings it looks like there's some banana peppers i can't see what else i would yeah. i don't think i would eat all of it probably I could... bacon probably bacon because it's pierogi bites sour cream green onions again what i'm looking at is cut off um but we'll be having oh and by the way darcy oak performing at halftime at the game on Friday as well. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I'm curious how that's going to go. Home opener is going to be awesome, folks. Uh, get your tickets, bluebombers.com, or by calling 204-784-7448. All right, great show today. We got to get this pod up, but thank you for being with us. Thanks to Justin Dunk, talking a little CFL. Great visit with Mike McIntyre, talking 
all the Manitobans on Vegas, getting his thoughts on the Live PGA Tour, future of the Winnipeg Ice, and more if you missed that. And then, arguably, I mean, the bar has been raised for the best hit of the year. Feinberg from the RBC Canadian Open with an impromptu visit from our guy Aaron Cockrell, who's teeing it up in the event on Thursday. Um, folks, thanks so much for being with us. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't already. Please tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk and make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Hit that red button and find us wherever you get your favorite podcast. Search Winnipeg Sports Talk and lock that in. Thank you again for hitting 2 million YouTube views yesterday. Hard to believe everything that's happened in uh, the last couple of years, but uh, loving every minute of it. Thanks so much to the sponsors as well. We will see you tomorrow, 1 o'clock p.m. Live, Mark Zacchino, and much more on tomorrow's show. Catch you then. Stay cool and have a great night. Oh, my God. Oh! Oh! Shut it down. Oh Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.